20, 15, 10, into the end zone, touchdown! Strong move, gets past Pugh into the 10 for two. Takes this free kick and curls it inside the left post, what a goal! The Cougars win it! The Cougars win it! And now, live from BYU Football Media Day, it's behind the mic with the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Well, the BYU football season kicks off two months and three days from today. And if that still seems like it's too far away, that's why we're here at the BYU Broadcasting Building for BYU Football Media Day. And this is the debut edition of Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, BYURadio.org, and the BYU Radio app. Part of a dawn till dusk, wall-to-wall day of multimedia platform coverage on BYU TV and BYU Radio, as well as digital. We go live to Cougar Nation to get fans ready for the 2017 football season. At the same time, we honor the life and career of Lavelle Edwards, whose contributions to BYU football will be recognized this year with a patch on the Cougars uniforms. We learned that this morning. Lavelle's coaching tree is the subject of a special show this afternoon on BYU TV. That'll be at 2 o'clock Mountain Time, 4 o'clock Eastern. Meantime, we are live on BYU Radio from right now until 3 p.m. Mountain Time. My name is Greg Grubel, your voice of the Cougars, and welcome as we go behind the mic on BYU Football Media Day. Coming up, on today's debut edition of this show on BYU Radio. We've got players, coaches, and even an AD in for good measure between now and 3 o'clock. Here is our schedule as I have it. In about 10 minutes or so, Gennaro Guilford, BYU's cornerbacks coach, and BYU corner Diane Gawulaku will join us in studio. Then a couple of coaches, wide receivers coach Ben Cahoon, tight ends coach Steve Clark, will end the hour by heading to both sides of the ball with Matt Hadley of the defensive backfield and Tanner Baldery at tight end. That is our 12 o'clock hour. In the 1 o'clock hour, BYU AD Tom Holmo joined by BYU head coach Kalani Sitake. The offensive coordinator, Ty Detmer, will be in studio, as well as the assistant head coach and special teams coordinator, Ed Lamb. He also coaches the safeties. He'll be in studio. We end the two uh, the 1 o'clock hour with Johnny Linehan and Rhett Almond out of the special teams joining us. Then in the 2 o'clock hour, defensive Defensive coordinator Elisa Tuiaki, quarterback Tanner Mangum, tight end Moroni Laulu Pututau, offensive lineman Tuni Kanuch, wide receiver Jonah Trinaman, and then the Warner brothers, Fred and Troy Warner, to end up today's show late in the 2 o'clock hour. That's what we've got going on our debut edition of Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel here at BYU Football Media Day. We start the hour, we start the show, as I get to welcome in my longtime broadcast partner, the Arvada Flash himself. <laughs> Folks, it's Mark Lyons. <laughs> Hi, Greg. Man alive. Uh, I just love the entry. And just hearing your voice again is like getting me ready for it. It's a pregame. Greg, my boy, what a great day for talking a little football. That's what a, what what a great day for media day. Yeah, I'll say. And so uh, it does get you pumped up a little bit, seeing all the players out there and their excitement about uh, Everything that's going on right now at BYU. And we're used to sharing the airwaves with BYU TV's Jason Shepard. And so Jason is in studio to kick off the show with us, too. Hey, Shep. Guys, this is so familiar and comfortable. I love being with you guys. 
Jason had the one of the thrills of his oh, life yes. moments ago. So we, we talked about how today is really a day to honor Lavelle Edwards. And as part of the Lavelle's Coaching Tree program coming up on BYU TV at 2 o'clock, Andy Reid is going to be down uh, in the studio as part of that live television show. And Andy came into the building just moments ago, and and uh, Jason felt a disturbance <laughs> in the force and immediately had to rush down to the lobby to meet uh, one of his modern-day heroes, Andy Reid. That's right. Uh, being from the Kansas City area, being from Independence, I, I am a Kansas City Chiefs fan. And so to have Andy Reid in the building, of course, I had to go ask for a, a photo. So I've got that and just tweeted it out. It, uh, it will very soon be my Twitter profile pic. And not only that, uh, Andy, uh, showing the, the, the magnanimous sort that he is, offered to enrich your life even further. Isn't that right? Yeah. He, he says uh, he wants to make sure that he before he leaves, he wants to get my address so he can send me some uh, Kansas City Chiefs stuff. And he wanted to know how many kids I had so that he could send them stuff as well. Of course, how about he, that? Now, this isn't your first interaction with him, right? You, uh, I have, well, I've, like... I've interviewed him um, a couple of years ago, so I, I've had the opportunity to talk with him, but I've never had a chance to meet him until today. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. big day for me. Right. Andy's the chief chief, but he's also a cougar, and that's why he is here, and we are here today. And uh, already this morning, what a day it's been, uh, A.D. Tom Holmo during this morning's State of the Program uh, address uh, noted a number of things that would be uh, uh, news items for BYU fans. Uh, first and foremost, uh, the media deal that BYU has e- with ESPN has been extended. ESPN picking up its option for coverage through the 2019 season. So BYU's hooked up with ESPN for 17, 18, and 19. And Tom reiterating that as part of that relationship, should BYU be bowl eligible, ESPN will make sure that BYU is in a postseason game. BYU is technically a bowl free agent right now, but there's no doubt that should they get the requisite number of wins, they'll be playing somewhere attractive in the postseason. So the the extension of the uh, of the arrangement, uh, some bowl notes, and then the fact that uh, the number six jersey will be retired uh, during the Wisconsin game on September 16th, and it's been worn by three prominent Cougars who were today honored, and that would be Mark Wilson, along with Robbie Bosco and Luke Staley. Mark sent a video greeting to Cougar Nation. Robbie and Luke were in studio to talk about it today. And so those are the new news items to, uh, to kick off today's BYU Media Day festivities at the state of the program. And just on those notes, uh, Mark and Shep, ESPN has been a tremendous partner of BYU. The partnership extends for another year. BYU need not worry about, I think, postseason plans. If they're good enough to play, they will. And then the fact that three great former Cougars will be honored with their jersey retirement. Yeah, it's great. Uh, ESPN has been a terrific partner for BYU. They've been the uh, the glue that helps everything related to BYU being an independent and for them to step up again for another year. So I think that's a, a terrific thing for Cougar fans. They'll be able to see a lot of football games still on ESPN. Still here, of course, all the time on uh, KSL. But uh, then also uh, Luke Staley is, man, those are three stars at War Number 6. And uh, terrific players. Robbie's been uh, terrific. Right now he works with the varsity club. And so I have a little interaction with him every once in a while and all my players. This is going back to the 1960s, you know, when we were playing. Robbie's still tied with those guys. And so uh, it's it's great. Luke was terrific. And then uh, Mark Wilson's a superstar. Having Luke Staley in the building today was pretty special. Uh, He's such... And for those that may not have had an opportunity to to see him play, he was a larger-than-life player. I mean, he he was a hulking running back, but yet he is so quiet and reserved. It was pretty special 
to have him in the building and in with the announcement of him and and the others being honored. It was it was a really cool morning. Tying ESPN together with Luke, you know, when uh, BYU played Utah in Luke's senior year, Luke takes the pitch out. It's a Thursday night game on ESPN. And so when Luke takes that pitch from Doman and jaunts into the end zone to take the lead in the football game near the end of the fourth quarter, the place just erupted and everyone was on their feet. And I looked out at the stands and I said, man, BYU has arrived. They're on ESPN Thursday night, and the place just exploded. It was full. It was a great play, a terrific game. And I said, uh, this is it. They're well, it was, mainstream. The place was shaking. Lavelle Edwards Stadium was, was shaking that night. And I remember I, I, I punctuated my touchdown call by pumping my fist, and I made contact <laughs> with the window in front of me. And thank goodness it's, it's double-pane, triple-pane, sturdy uh, glass because I gave myself a good rap on the knuckles as I, as I met the window as Luke scored that touchdown. Uh, and, and I... Didn't get to see Mark Wilson play. When Mark was playing, I was still living in Canada and not even that familiar with, with all that BYU football was. Robbie was my quarterback because I came to BYU in the fall of 1984, and that, yeah. was, that, that, that was when Robbie had his first start as BYU's quarterback. So Robbie was my guy. Robbie was, was my quarterback as a BYU student, a freshman, a 17-year-old freshman back in 1984. The first ever BYU football game I saw live was at the Marriott Center on the big screen as BYU took on Pitt. We, t- we talk about the ESPN ties. The yeah. BYU-Pitt game was the first college football game on, live on ESPN, and Robbie was the quarterback, of course, that day. So that's you know he becomes my guy. And then to call Luke Staley's games as the play-by-play guy yeah. as we kind of take it full circle. So three different appreciations for those players honored today. So uh, looks from the past uh, into the future and the present very bright for BYU football. The 2017 schedule is loaded with quality games and I'm just ready for uh, for July 26th players report day to get here so we can start seeing how this thing's all going to come together and it'll be here very very quickly. Again, a little more than 4 weeks away from players reporting and that season opener against Portland State is on August 26th. A lot of folks will see that as the warm up for the first big game of this season. LSU, a national TV game in Houston in an NFL stadium, and that just you know, gets this thing going. There have been few seasons for which I've been more excited than 2017, Mark. Well, I'll say, and uh, it is front-loaded again, of course, uh, with all the, the tough teams early, and so BYU's got to be ready. I really thought the Portland State schedule was awesome. To put them kind of a preview to get them into a football game and uh, get their personnel and everybody working together before they ran into that uh, LSU-Utah-Wisconsin run. The back-to-back-to-back P5 run right there in September. There'll be another P5 game scheduled later in the year in SEC country at Mississippi State in October, which follows Boise State. And again, so they keep on coming. A really well-conceived schedule uh, and, and intrigue from start to finish. When I say finish, when you have a 13th game and you're ending at Hawaii, uh, that's, again, don't, as, as you know, the, the common phrase is don't sleep on the Warriors. Uh, that, 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 you know, is a game that you know will mean a lot to the folks in the islands. And we've seen BYU play those end-of-season games Hawaii and have, the, and have uh, UH kind of kind of give up and, and, and grab you a little bit. So don't say there's, there's no doubt that BYU be well-seasoned by that point. But like I say, from start to finish, intrigue throughout the 2017 schedule. Shep, what's get you, what gets you most? pumped up for uh, for 2017. Well, you know, I, I look at the schedule, and there are so many opportunities. And I do love the fact that there is the Portland State game prior to 
facing LSU in Houston. I, I love that because how many times do you hear that even for a team that, that may have uh, some experience behind it, that, that first game you're still working out some of the kinks. And and yes, it's a game that BYU should absolutely win, so how much can you take out of it? I, I like the fact that you do have that heading into what we've described on BYU Sports Nation as the Furious Five. And, and the fact that LS, the LSU game, I think, is, is kind of the, it's the table setter. What happens in that LSU game, I think, can really catapult BYU through the rest of those P5 opponents. Win or loss, I think a good performance against LSU can really set the tone, especially heading into that next week against Utah. Mark, how about you? Uh, what's going to be the, the, the thing or things uh, that you're going to focus in, zero in on, uh, that, that will most intrigue you, interest you about the 2017 season and schedule? Well, if we were going to talk uh, personnel and football, uh, I'm really curious to see how successful they are in throwing the football this year because uh, we know that that's uh, a terrific part of Ty Detmer's offense. That's my curiosity right now is last year with uh, Jamal, you could hand the ball to Jamal and he could win games for you. And this year you're going to have to be able to throw the football. And Tanner Mangum's ready to do that. But uh, I am curious to see how everything else plays, the offensive performances, those receivers, and uh, how developed those running backs are to help fill in and take up the load for the pass game. The offensive line is the most experienced portion of the team, but it's the positions around the O-line that are the least experienced by career starts on this year's team. So it's a unique combination. I'm really glad they're strong up front and experienced up front to help those other things kind of come along. Yeah, there's not a senior in the backfield this year. And so so I'm really uh, interested to see yeah, just how how they're going to be able to do that and then incorporate the tight end. They talk about it. Let's see if they do it. Well, and, and on the offensive line, and that's I think that's that's really the key to everything and for the reason that you mentioned, Greg, because some of the unknowns or the unprovens around will benefit significantly because of an offensive line that the coaches are pretty excited about. And, they, you know, the offensive line has gone through a transition in terms of what the offensive line looks like physically. Yeah. And the, the lean and mean is, is not there so much anymore. Now it's all about getting bigger and, and you know, sort of nastier in a good way, of course. Uh, so I, <laughs> It's a I, violent game. We heard them we say that We did hear it's a, it's a violent game. game. But I, I'm really excited to see what this offensive line can do because it's starting to reflect what they want it to be and what it used to be, quite honestly. Well, Mark said a moment ago that he's uh, curious to see how BYU is going to throw the ball this year. We have our suspicions about that. I think it's going to go very well. We know how BYU is going to defend the throw uh, because the, the players that played last year were young and good, and now they're a little more experienced, and they are back. And we're going to talk about the defensive secondary with Gennaro Guilford, BYU's cornerbacks coach, and BYU sophomore corner Diane Gawuluku. And that's coming up next. As for now, Shep and Mark... Thanks for getting the show kicked off the right way. We've got a jam-packed show from now till 3 o'clock. Glad you guys could be in to get us going as we debut Behind the Mic. Thanks, guys, for coming in. Thanks, Greg. All right, that's Mark Lyons, Jason Shepard. I am Greg Grubel. Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel at BYU Football Media Day continues with Gennaro Guilford and Diane Gawoluku coming up next here on BYU Radio. Throws to the far side. Intercepted! Interception BYU Diane Lake at the 45-yard line! He's going to be a good one, and he makes a big play for BYU. And 
I still believe that. He is going to be a good one. He's already a good one. Then he was Diane Lake. Now he's Diane Gawuluku. Diane and his coach, Gennaro Guilford, joining me in studio on Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel during BYU Football Media Day. Diane and Gennaro. Coach Guilford, thanks for coming in. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Diane, that was one of your highlights from last year. You got a little smile on your face. I enjoy calling your plays that end up like that. And uh, yeah, there's been a real sense that um, that this secondary, as young as it is, has nothing but a super bright future ahead of it. As a group, when you're in the room, Diane, you look around and you see a lot of youth, and and you know how many years you guys are going to be together. Maybe for you and then Gennaro, just that that concept or that notion of how much time you guys may have all together. What do you think? Well, it just makes me think how good we can be and how good we will be this upcoming year because just having one year under our belt with this new coaching staff and Coach Guilford, uh, it helped us improve a lot on our techniques and we can improve our techniques more. Like what Guilford always says, be a technician. And that's something we're going to try to do as a group since we're so young and that's why we build up. Gennaro, it's one thing to be young, another thing to be young and really talented, which is what I think we saw with this team last year. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know what? Having these guys coming in, you know, um, a lot of them were freshmen and sophomore, and they definitely showed showed everything that they can do throughout the year, and uh, that's why we we had three freshmen that started games last year, you know, um, and just just kind of going through spring ball and stuff like that. They've they've definitely improved from from last year um, with the with the small things, all the all the technical and fundamentals and stuff like that, and they definitely bought in, and um, you know. Once you once you buy in, it's sky's the limit. The three guys who were starting or got starts as freshmen were Diane here with us, uh, Troy Warner, and then Chris Wilcox. Those are the three freshmen you're talking about, right? Yes. And uh, they're all softs now. And uh, and then you're going to bring in a couple of young freshmen who we don't necessarily need to throw a lot of pressure on right away. But your group is still really well composed of freshmen and sophomores. Of your entire group, I think two juniors, two seniors. So the youth is really heavy right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um we're youth youth heavy, and um, I'm going to have to ask those guys to step up and play like seniors, you know. Um, but that's that's totally fine. They're absolutely ready for it, and they've had a, a good spring, and they're ready to kind of step in those shoes. If you have any questions, Cougar fans, for either Diane or Coach Guilford, hashtag BYU Media Day. Send them in at hashtag BYU Media Day on Twitter. Maybe just mention who you'd like to answer your question, either Coach or Diane. So hashtag BYU Media Day. You can send in questions. If we get them between now and when they get off the air, we'll uh, we'll pop it on the air for you. Diane, uh, you've been asked it probably a dozen times already today. Can you explain the reason for the name change? We heard the play-by-play call a few moments ago. I called you Diane Lake. You were Diane Lake last year, but you've changed your name uh, to Gawuluku uh, for this season. Uh, explain the, what went behind that. Uh, the name change was from my, my uncle. He passed away this year, and he was like a close family member to me and my sister and stuff because he helped bring me and my sister from Africa when there was a war going on in Liberia. And so he's been a big part of my family, and it was like a, a random death that happened, so... It's just like, and he was in Philadelphia too. That's where he lives, and hmm. we never had really a chance to like see him before all that even happened. We haven't seen him for like a couple of years, and so it's just like a big thing to us and our family because that's the name he went with was Gawuluku, and so that's my middle name. So legally, it's still Lake, but like the family name is Gawuluku, and so I just switched it to that before him, and they sent his body like back to Liberia and buried it there, and hmm. so I just went with that middle name. 
Have I done okay with the pronunciation, by the way, today? Am I yeah, doing all right? so far you're the best one to pronounce it. <laughs> well, I hope, hope it comes out that way when I get excited uh, and, and have to call uh, either picks and touchdowns. Uh, Coach Guilford, uh, what's your perspective on Diane's really interesting, uh, unique story? Um, you know what? It's, it's all about family. You know, It's about family, and um, family's, family's always first, and um, even our Hey, guy Kalani. You know, he, I mean, he always tells his family first, so um, I'm 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 all for it. And his uh, the way he got to America and the sport of college football is also pretty unique too, from where he came, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. We talked to uh, Brian Mitchell, at least I did in the lobby a few moments ago. Coach Mitchell was a cornerback at BYU, a cornerback's coach at BYU. He now is at Virginia Tech. He's been to a number number of successful stops. And I was hoping that the two of you had a chance to connect uh, before uh, you had to come up here, and that happened, right? Absolutely, yeah, it did, it did. And, you know, kind of brought back memories. You know, um, he's he was my, my coach my whole time here, you know, and um, just from him – Taught me how to be a, a, a better man, a better person, um, a better coach, husband, father, and everything. So he he set such great examples um, during my time here. You know, um, he and he, he always told me like after I was done playing, he was like, "Man, you should be a coach." Hmm. And um, I kind of went away from it for a while. And as soon as I got back, as soon as I started coaching, I called him, and it was like six years later. And I was like, "Yeah, I think I want to start coaching." He's like. I told you that from you know from day one, so I mean yeah, it, it just it just brought back memories, you know. What do you think? Him. What do you think he saw in you that maybe you didn't see in yourself relative to coaching? You know what? Um, probably the some of the same characteristics I see in Diane and and and, and, and Troy. Um, as a youngster, you know, I was I was kind of. I was kind of up there, you know. I think my, my my freshman year, I had two two senior starters, um, but you know, I was I want to say I was probably the the third best corner as a as, as a freshman, and I, I played a little bit, and then um, I, I started my sophomore year. But um, over time, it was like I was a coach on the field, you know, and that's what I'm gonna have to ask of them, you know, mm. especially um, in, in time times coming, you know, because. Um, as soon as they get um, juniors and seniors, um, I'm going to have to rely on them to teach the freshmen everything that, yeah. that they've learned over, over, the, over the last two and three years. So, um, you know, and then he was always bringing in JC guys, and I was like the first freshman to really come and be here for four Start years. Start to finish, yeah. You know, um, so just having him for four years, um, he kind of gave me everything. I mean, all the tools that he could throughout four years instead of being two. Yeah. Um, so same thing with with these guys. You know, by the time they're they're juniors and seniors, it's gonna be like, man, I gave you I gave you everything. That you know, now it's kind of time to just kind of start teaching other guys and going out there and. Becoming a player coach. So you're talking about Coach Mitchell. He's been all around the world of college football since leaving BYU. But I saw him down there today and said, man, it looks good to see the Y on your chest again. <laughs> he said it feels good to have it. I mean, it's great to see guys like that come back and still be so much a part of this in their heart, uh, like Brian is and others who we'll see this afternoon. And then to have it kind of transferred through to someone like yourself who, who follows in the coaching footsteps, I think it's wonderful. Diane, uh, how much do you and your teammates know about Gennaro? as a player at BYU, what he did, and what makes him a good corner coach? Uh, he was a dog. <laughs> and we have, like, little uh, 
pictures of like some of the old corners in our like our DB room and stuff. Uh-huh. And we always all go over look at the picture of Coach Guilford, like mess around with how his swag was, how he dressed for game days and stuff. But uh, he just it's good having him as our corners coach because he just uh, motivates us because we can relate to him, he can relate to us. And it's not like we're uncomfortable with him. We talk how we talk normally in our corner room out there on the field. And so it was just like just one bond together. We're all like close together. Like we're brothers. Like we look up to Coach Guilford. His te- like we follow his techniques, all the mm. teachings he does. That's the thing we have to do is like um, listen to what he says and take it out on the field. Because if we don't, like I can see we don't perform as good. Because some of the things he's told me, I'll be like, sometimes I'll be like, no, nah, that's not good. But then I'll try it out there on the field. And it'll actually work. And so just working on that, what he says, because he's experienced all that through the games he's played, coaching. And that's what we do as a group together. We try to focus on what Coach Guilford is saying and take it in and show him out that we can do it out there on the field too. We had Luke Staley in the building today uh, being honored for his number six jersey being retired. And Luke got to uh, talk a lot about – his touchdown that uh, that defeated Utah back in 2001 here at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. But as important as that play was one of the plays for which I've probably been most excited in my play-by-play career, and that was when Gennaro sealed the deal with an interception to really end the game. And I remember still saying, Guilford broke on the ball, and that you did, and that <laughs> ended it. And, and uh, like Luke talks about that touchdown – you probably get asked to talk about that play from time to time, Gennaro. What are your recollections of those so many years ago, that moment and that stadium and that vibe and everything that went into the way it felt that, that night? Um, you know, I, I just remember um, Coach, Coach Mitchell telling me, he was like, all right, now, you know, if, if, something, if something comes, I, I remember telling him, I'm like, look, if I see an out or a hit, anything, I was like, I'm going. I was like, so if I get hit with a double move, it might be a touchdown, but <laughs> if they throw it, I'm 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 going to get it. And um, sure enough, I, I just had the the, the opportunity, um, and I, I seen it, and I just broke on it, and um, he threw the ball. I mean, I don't know why, but he did. And the rest is history. We've had some loud nights in that building, but that was one of those t- when the place seemed to like just kind of pulsate. It was kind of surreal. Yeah, it, it, you know it, it was, and I, I still remember the fans and rushing the field, and I mean it was it was. A great moment, you know, from 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 start to finish, and our fans just kind of stand behind us uh, the whole game. You know, we were we were down. We had to come back. I want to say we scored twice in the last, I don't know, two minutes or something something like that. But um, it was just a great feeling, and that's something from Lavelle. You know, mm-hmm. he kind of he kind of putting us. We always expect to win. You know, I can care less. What the score is, they can be twenty eight zero and we can be down, but at the end of the day we we still expect to win like like we know that we're gonna make certain plays and make certain things happen to where we'll we'll always come back and win and that was our expectation you know you're both wearing b y u polos with the Lavelle patch on your left sleeve. uh what does the patch mean to both of you and the fact that it'll be on your uniforms for every game this year? What a great way to honor a great man uh your thoughts about Lavelle his impact and 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 the fact you get to honor him this way um as far as being you know what he he gave me a opportunity to um see and live something different um coming from la uh, coming from here um he came in my house and won my mom over hmm. you know um, um we knew a, a little bit about byu because um uh 
Tim McTire and Omar Morgan. They were they were both from my hometown, so I mean, I kind of knew about it, but. Um, at the same time, my mom was kind of skeptical a little bit, but once LaVille came in the house and they, they had a conversation for about an hour, um, it, it wasn't even a choice. Uh, he kind of won my mom over, and uh, I remember—I still remember now uh, my mom saying, you know what, I, I prayed about it, and um, I think BYU is, is the place I want you to go, hmm. you know. And I was like, okay, well— I I, I, I already know what that means. That means I'm going to BYU. She's like, well, no, I want you to make your own decision. <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay. Mom, you, you already gave me the talk, so that's where I'm going. And um, this is where I wanted to be, though, you know. And um, Lavelle did, did did a great job of, of kind of taking me in um, and, and showing me that um, it, there's different aspects of life and, and, and different, different avenues and um, things that – I wasn't used to or accustomed to, um, but but he did a great job. And if he didn't do a great job, I wouldn't be back, you mm-hmm. know. So um, I, I definitely love him for that, and he he made me a better man, yeah, a better father. So absolutely, Diane, you can sense from Coach Guilford's comments the kind of impact Lavelle had on the guys that he coached. You didn't play for Lavelle, but you are pretty are already up to speed on the impact he's had here. Yeah, like you said, I didn't play for him. A lot of us didn't, but. Just like with uh, Guilford being our coach and then Sataki and all the other coaches uh, playing under Lavelle, I feel like we can have like a little experience of how Lavelle treated them and how he uh, he knew they were men and not just boys. And that's like a big, a big impact because we feel like, oh, we didn't get to actually see Lavelle like be on the field with him like that. But after watching like little clips and all the fire he had in him and getting the guys pumped out there on the field – we can see that in our coaching staff now. Guilford, when I had like the touchdown against uh, the pick, I wish it was a touchdown against Toledo. Uh, me and him just jumping up and stuff, and then Sataki getting pumped. Even Utah game, all those other games, but it's just like the fire he had, and all of our coaches have on this staff. I feel like that's how uh, Lavelle staff was like, and especially him. He's a calm dude, but he also has some fire in him, and that's how mm. I feel like this coaching staff is. So we don't get punished like little boys we get treated like men as we sign off with the two of you i we already mentioned of course Diane and and uh, troy warner and chris wilcox but let's let's mention the other guys in your room that are gonna be part of this secondary here in 2017 give them some props uh of course um isaiah armstrong and michael Sheldon, and can't wait to see uh austin mcchesney back from you know injury mm-hmm. um, but you know he'll he'll be back um we have a guy coming in, uh, Trevion Green. You know, he um, JC guy, JC guy. Yep. Um, he should come in, um, and then we have uh, a couple of freshmen coming in. Uh, D'Angelo Gun- Gunter, Keenan Ellis. Um, Is Heva still with you? Heva, yeah, yep. Heva Lee. Uh, that's my guy. You know, <laughs> yeah, Heva Lee. Um, he's still there. Um, Caden Dorch, uh, uh, Lurch. I'm trying to think who else. Cody. Yeah, that's Cody Lurch. Stewart. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Cody Stewart. But that's our guy. He goes by Lurch. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I'll keep that one in mind. I think we got everybody, didn't we? Pretty much. Um, I believe so. We miss anybody, Dine? Are those all your guys? That's all of our guys. Yeah, I think, I think so. Yeah. All right. We look forward to great things out of that group. Uh, man, I'm excited for the secondary and the team in whole, but as a whole. But uh, 
Coach Guilford doing great things with those guys. We look forward to that being a real strength of this year's team. And I want to thank you both for coming in as part of our media day. No problem. Thanks for having us. All right, Janelle Guilford and Diane Gawoliku, cornerbacks coach and corner for the BYU Cougars. This is Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel at BYU Football Media Day. Coaches Clark and Cahoon coming up next. Stay with us on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, BYURadio.org, and the BYU Radio app. Hill. Hill. Deep down the near sideline. Trinneman is there. Makes the catch at the 30, 20, 10, and just like that! Touchdown Cougars on the first play of the game! Jonah Trinneman coming up later in the program. Welcome back here in the BYU Broadcasting Building. Studio 2 for Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel, our deep debut edition of the show on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, BYURadio.org. And the BYU Radio app with you from now until 3 o'clock, 5 o'clock Eastern Time as BYU Football Media Day gets us closer to the start of this season, August 26th, the home kickoff against Portland State. Our thanks again to Diane Gawoliku and Coach Gennaro Guilford. Pleasure to welcome into the program wide receivers coach and former BYU wide receiver and CFL Hall of Famer Ben Cahoon. Hello, Ben. Hello, Greg. Great to be with you. And second-year tight end coach Steve Clark. Coach Clark, hello. Hello. So, uh... Coach Clark is a music aficionado and excellent taste in music. I know that because one of his favorite bands, if not his favorite band, is Rush. And I share, right. an, I share an affinity for the world's greatest rock trio, Rush. And Ben Cahoon may or may not share the same affinity. Even having spent all those years in Canada, somehow by osmosis, a love of Rush didn't just didn't, didn't seep into your soul. I probably could not name one Rush song. You're a loser. I have an appreciation for good music. Is there a greater tragedy than the fact that somebody that spent that many years in Canada can't name a single Rush song? That's that. That is probably the greatest tragedy ever <laughs> I've ever tragic. heard. Not in my life. I, I I've can had help more you with tragedy, that. Though. More tragic things than that. But help me. Okay. All right. After this, we'll get together. I'll put a playlist together. Actually, Greg put a great playlist together for you. Either one, either one of us could help you, Ben. Either one of us would be uh, we well relied upon in this aspect. <laughs> So, Steve, uh, I, I mentioned it's your second year at BYU, but your ties to BYU go back uh, go back much further. Tell uh, Cougar Nation um, just how deep your attachment to this program goes over the years. Oh, well, I grew up in Provo. I'm from Provo, so it starts there. I was a fan. I went to, you know, we had season tickets. I'd go to all the games. Um, then um, I was lucky enough to be a, a graduate assistant uh, when Bronco first started his first year. I was three years. Um, and then uh, after that, I, I, I left. I, I interviewed with Bronco uh, four times um, to come back. Uh, never worked out. Um, and then I was offensive coordinator at Weber State. Um, just out of the blue, I got a call from Ty Detmer, and and uh, that's how, how I, I made it here. So... It's great to be here. I couldn't. I couldn't be happier. I couldn't be happier with the guys I work with. Other than Ben, they've all been great. I love them all. <laughs> what, is the, what does the patch you're wearing on your left sleeve mean to you today? Um, so I didn't play for. I was one of the few. I think myself and Etuiaki are the only ones that didn't play for uh, Lavelle. And but I grew up in a neighborhood uh, close to Coach Edwards, and I got to know him, and he actually helped me. Um, uh, get my start in, in coaching. He was the one that um, 
I, I sat down with him. You know, I said, "Do you have any advice for me? I'd like to go into coaching." He said, "Well, you don't want to do it, but uh, <laughs> but if you do, let, uh, here are some of the things that you can do to 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 make yourself more." Um, marketable, and uh, then he kept tabs on me, and he'd check up on me, and he was a yeah a great mentor for me. Ben, this is your sec- uh, second stint with BYU, um, and your history here as a player is is well known. Coach Clark talked about the phone call he got from Ty Detmer. Let's talk about your second stint here, and and how that approach was made to get you back on the staff. <laughs> Well, I didn't receive a phone call. I was the one doing the instigating, I think. But I reached out to Ty and uh, actually Kalani early on and just, you know, expressed interest, told them that I was interested in getting back into coaching and, and um, you know, waited around. It was kind of an excruciating month there in, in December when some of the staff was getting uh, put together. Uh, but then as luck would have it, you know, finally did get a phone call and they said, can you come in tomorrow and, and interview? And and I was ready to go and excited and and really just feel fortunate to have a second chance here at BYU. If you are any different a coach from first time around to second time around, how might you be? Well, I think I'm a little bit more proactive. I think I, I appreciate uh, the opportunity a little bit more and I'm a little more grateful and believe me i realize that it's a performance-based job so i try to come to work and and take this job seriously and come to work and do my best work every day and and i think getting let go gives you that perspective at two o'clock today on byu tv lavelle edwards coaching tree uh, program will air and you're a part of the coaching tree as a coach now here at byu as so many of your colleagues are on, on, on the staff as well. We're going to hear in that 2 o'clock show from coaches uh, present and former about the impact Lavelle had on their lives. Um, you can speak to it as someone who played for uh, Coach Edwards and then is now part of his coaching tree. Uh, what's your perspective on, on Lavelle and the fact you get to honor him uh, with that patch t- today and, and this season that all the players will wear? Well, first, I just think it's neat that, that we're honoring him. Um, he has meant so much to so many of our lives, you know, that have been a part of this program. And he's just been the perfect example for steady, consistent leadership. He's been such a stabilizing force for this program, for decades, for this university and, and the community as well. So he's he's had his impact in my life definitely just by being steady and not getting too high, not getting too low. Patty has been a mentor and for whatever reason we've been fortunate enough that she's kind of taken Kim under her wing at times and and reached out to her and 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 given her educated her on what it takes to be a supportive wife as a player as a player's wife but then also as a coach's wife so they're phenomenal and um we miss Lavelle dearly and and um are grateful that that Patty comes around Mm. Now and again. And what a wonderful day today because there are a lot of smiles, as there were in the days and weeks that passed since Lavelle uh, left us. Uh, Everyone's happy when they get to talk about uh, Lavelle Edwards. Uh, Let's talk about your rooms a little bit, your position rooms. Uh, Coach Clark, first up, um, there is a lot of excitement, I think, for the renaissance of the position, and you're over the tight end group. And and how realistic is that expectation of of kind of that – 
that that position coming back to the forefront in BYU football with this year's group? Well, we'd like to, you know the, the history is is goes forever here with the tight ends. We'd like to to have players like that, like we've had in the in the past, and we have some good players. I think uh, moving Moroni to to tight end full time now um, helps us in that in that aspect, uh, and then. Matt Bushman's done a great job. Um, this spring, he he had a great spring, um, and so those two will add will add uh, um, to what we're trying to do. We, we need we need to be more productive in the pass game. We uh, we did a good job blocking last year. Tanner Baldry did an outstanding job blocking last year, um, and I think that goes unnoticed because when we think of tight ends, we think of catches. But he did a great job for us in the run game, and he'll continue to do that. Um, and by the way, when it comes to catches, he had two of the bigger ones of the year. Uh, his two touchdowns were both pretty remarkable. The, yeah, the Mississippi State one, the the and the and the one, the Wyoming one. Yeah. Um, and he can and he and I'm not, not saying he can't catch; he can. But uh, Matt Bushman um, and especially uh, Marone, I bring us a little bit more of a stretch, uh, stretch the field type tight end that uh, the Harleen was, the Pitta was, and uh, and in, in, in kind of more into that mold. So beyond Tanner and uh, Moroni and Matt, who are the other guys in the so, room that you think you'll be uh, you'll be involved with? So Hunter Marshall comes back. He had surgery uh, on his shoulder, and he'll be back. Um, then we have we have five we're bringing the camp. The other one um, is a freshman from uh, Bentley Hanshaw from Moore Park. Um, the other one that we have that we have uh, that has a lot of potential and uh, who I I really like is uh, Joe Tukuafu, but. It looks like he won't be eligible for the season, so um, he'll redshirt, and uh, we'll, we'll throw him in the mix next year. Matt Bushman is—he uh, was also uh, with Coach Mike Littlewood's baseball team this past year. Yeah, he—they they say he's, he can hit. They say he's—I uh, um, talked to a, a scout who said that coming out of high school, he was a highly rated baseball player, but— you know, I took him out. We, I threw some bat, batting practice. He couldn't hit my curveball. Well, so, so few can, Coach Clark. I, I know. So, yeah. but, but no, I, I guess he, he, you know, he had one at bat this this season. Um, um, but they say he's he can really hit it. He'll be asked to step up to the plate in a football sense starting this fall. Coach Cahoon, as someone that had Moroni as a wide receiver, you know what Coach Clark is getting now as a tight end. Of the guys you've got in that room, uh, let's maybe tick a few of them off and and maybe uh, give fans some expectations of uh, who might be among the primary guys you're relying on this year. Okay, well, I think our room is is fairly unknown, and um, I think we like it that way. Frankly, we've got some guys that, that don't have a lot of experience, don't have a lot of receptions under their belt, on their stat line, but um, guys that are very capable and that have been working really hard, and I'm excited to see them kind of emerge and, and step up and, and uh, you know, make plays when the lights are on. Uh, we've got uh, Talon Shumway, local kid from Lone Peak. Um, He's a phenomenal athlete, played on that national championship basketball team from Lone Peak and, and uh, actually might have been one of the better players on that team. Yeah. No offense to the guys that are playing basketball for the Cougars, but he's just a great athlete and he's working hard and, and uh, he's really become a dependable target. Um, Jonah Trineman is amazing, you know, very explosive, kind of elite, uh, rare speed, and um, we're hoping to get him in the mix a little bit more more involved and more production. And then uh, Aleva Hifo, who got a little bit of playing time last year as a young true freshman. 
is coming off a shoulder surgery and missed spring ball, but uh, we're hoping that he comes in and, and really um, plays well and, and develops a, some confidence, some trust and a chemistry with Tanner Mangum. Um, along with that, with those guys, Micah Simon has had a great spring and summer. He's redshirted and he's put on weight and he's gotten stronger and more explosive and running really well. Uh, in addition, the same type of scenario was Akile Davis, who redshirted had a little stint as a cornerback, but uh, came back to the the right side of the ball. He saw the light and and uh, <laughs> he's he's flourishing. He's really thriving at, back at wide receiver and and developing into a, a big target kind of kind of plays angry i love the edge that he plays with and he'll be a guy that'll go out and be scared of no one and and really be able to rough it up a little bit and get physical where's bo tanner in your mix he's definitely in the mix he is blazing fast um really quick and um just coming off of surgery on his he hurt his finger uh but uh so he's been hasn't been able to work out for the last few weeks but He'll be good, ready to go, and and uh, so exciting. He's just he's explosive and quick, and and uh, I think almost as quick as Jonah actually. So mm. there are a handful of guys we didn't mention at the wideout spot, but we'll see them all in the fall and see who uh, asserts himself and uh, gets into Coach Cahoon's depth chart. Coach Cahoon and Coach Clark, thanks for coming in on our debut edition of Behind the Mic on this media day. We'll let you get off to your other media obligations. And uh, Ben, duck your, duck your head into Steve's office one of these days and just take five <laughs> minutes to get acquainted with the greatest rock trio in music history, okay? I shall. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thank you. All right, coming up next, we're going to hit both sides of the ball. Tanner Baldery and Matt Hadley. Coming up next, this is Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel at BYU Football Media Day on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, BYU and BYU Radio's app. Back after this. It is deflected, bounced in the air, and it is ultimately caught. The Cougars have it. A touchdown. Back in the end zone to Tanner Baldery. It was tipped around and finally brought down by the Cougars. Welcome back to our debut edition of Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel on BYU Radio as part of BYU Football's Media Day 2017. It's been a good hour so far. We keep it going by looking at defense and offense at the same time. We can do that. We've got Tanner Baldery, BYU tight end, and Matt Hadley, BYU safety with us. Gentlemen, thanks for coming on. Tanner, thank you. And Matt, both of you guys. Uh, you guys been busy this morning so far? This afternoon into the afternoon? Lots of interviews or what? Um, not really, not not a whole lot. Just just one actually. That uh, but I think it's gonna might get a little bit busier as, as the day goes on. That's Matt me. Hadley. Uh, Tanner, how's your schedule been so far? Uh, same as Matt's. Uh, just one so far, and it'll pick up a little bit as the day goes on. Okay, you got. To, did you get to hear a little bit of your coach, Coach Clark, a few minutes ago? No, I didn't. But Matt was saying he said some things about me. I think there are generally positive things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I brought up your two amazing touchdowns, uh, but he wanted to talk about how good a blocker you were. But I'm like, oh, what a great, what a great catch, you know. And uh, he says, he, yeah, he can catch, but he does so many other different things. Uh, I would like to hit that first of all. For a guy that had two touchdowns last year, they were both pretty singular plays. Um, uh, from your perspective, uh, tell us what each of them meant uh, to, to you at the time, and as you look back at them. Um, well, Mississippi State for me wasn't a. It was. We're in double overtime, right? Yeah, we're in double overtime, and I, I had been frustrated because I, I really only blocked, and they were a great team, and so um, I wanted to contribute more. And so in, the, in that overtime, both those overtimes, I was able to 
uh, pick up that fumble very luckily, and then in the first one that was crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then uh, and then scoring that touchdown. But that touchdown um, was a, a, a unified offensive effort because if you watch the replay, there's somebody gets picked off as I remember. Uh, yeah, one of their guys, one of the, one of our best defensive players, I think gets gets blocked really well on that. Yeah, yeah. You look down the field, and there's three or four guys on the offense blocking for that touchdown, and. Um, in the heat of the moment, you don't see that. You're just trying to get to the end zone. But when I went back and looked at it, I was just so grateful because um, that was a unified team effort. And I, I, I got a lot of credit for it, but I give a lot of credit to my teammates who blocked for that one. So if you get a lot of credit for that touchdown, do you get a lot of flack for the Wyoming touchdown? Because I, I think that was pretty amazing <laughs> in its own way. That was insane. That, I, I, that just didn't register me what had just happened. <laughs> it was unreal. And I've never – I mean, you see stuff like that. You hear about how, you know, how those things magically happen and – uh, to to have it happen just seems like I don't know I didn't skillfully do anything I the ball got punched it got moved around and then all of a sudden it's just right in front of me again and I caught it so that was uh, that was just unreal that was the pinball play in the rain in San Diego uh, Matt what was your, where were you when that play was happening uh, I was standing right next to uh, just the other guys on defense just yeah. kind of you know chilling over by the bench and well we were up at that point but yeah I mean it, we saw Tanner throw it up as he likes to do. And um, and yeah, as the ball is just getting batted around, we just oh no! My first thought was oh no, what what is going to happen here? And all of a sudden, it just drops right in Tanner, you know, Baldry's arms, and uh, I don't know, we just started going crazy. But yeah, it was it was sweet. It was those kind of catches are actually tougher than people think. I mean, you have to have great awareness. You really do. It's all reaction. It's all reaction. The ball's bouncing all over the place, and you have to be able to snag it like that. So I mean I think Tanner's downplaying a little bit. I thought it was really impressive. Yeah. So I I, I mentioned at the start of the interview how we're going to look at both sides of the ball, offense and defense. But for so long, um, I have to think that offense was your mentality, Matt. I mean, as a high schooler, you may have played the other side of the ball too, but you put up crazy offensive numbers. Has that part of as that part of the game completely left your mind and your heart and your soul of that being a ball carrier? Um, I, you know, that's a tough question. I, I don't think it has completely. I think it's just because, you know, I, I did it for so many years. You know, I started when I was eight years old, nine years old, and that's the only position I wanted to play was running back yeah. and, and just carrying the ball, you know, all throughout my life and throughout high school and everything. And, and being able to have, you know, the high school teams that I was able to play with the, the, the great teams and be able to have, you know, great numbers in, in high school. I don't know. It, it definitely... It definitely is. It's still in there, you know. It's hard to, you know, just completely put something like that completely aside. But, um, but no, I mean, it's 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 not hard for me though to switch over to this defensive yeah. mentality. Right now, you're fighting for a spot uh, as as a safety here at BYU. There's competition going on to replace Kai Nakua. Now, if you don't make it back in the offensive backfield, um, if that part if that ship has sailed. There's still a chance you're going to be involved as a returner, right? And you you did you did some of that uh, last year. Do you want to still be involved in that part of the game? Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, Coach Lamb, you know, being the special teams coordinator, he knows he knows me very well because he's also the safeties coach, and mm-hmm. he knows that I, you know, any chance that I, I I could have to to be able to carry the ball and run with it, I would I'd take it right away. You know, I'd but so yeah, I'm definitely you know looking forward to hopefully being able to contribute in the return. Okay, your quick thoughts on replacing Kai Nakua and the, and, and the guys you have competing to do that right now. Oh, well, you know, Kai is one of those, everybody knows Kai, Kai's a special player. He's, uh, he's not one that you can just, you know, kind of replace. Um, but uh, we're looking to be able to step in and, and do what we can to, you know, to help. There's, there's a lot of, we have a lot of talent in the safety room, a lot of talent. I mean, there's, 
there's too many names to name. It's as you said, it's going to be a competition. It really will be for for all of us, and and uh, we're all looking forward to it. We all have a really good relationship with each other, um, but we're all really competitive, and it's it's going to be fun this fall camp for sure. At tight end, people looked at you, Tanner, and Hunter Marshall as kind of the go-to guys last year, but you got some buddies this year. You're bringing over a wide out in Moroni. Matt Bushman comes in uh, off a mission, so uh, strength in numbers, and you got some good ones. Yeah, well, I think the tight end uh, position group, when you look in our room now, it's very dynamic. You have a lot of guys that can do a lot of different things. Um, where I feel like my strength is blocking, I'm mean, being physical and aggressive, and then you have Moroni, who's also physical, but he's uh, more of a route-running physical you got Matt, who's extremely fast, can run down the field, and both Moroni and Matt can get vertical. And uh, So I think the combination that we have a little bit of everything in that room now, and so situationally or based on the play, we can have someone for any play that we have in the playbook. Did you ever get the sense Moroni would end up with you guys? I got the vibe. I asked Moroni a lot last year if he ever wanted to or if he had thought about it or if he knew anything was going to happen, and he kind of gave me the vague, oh, we'll see, I don't know, I've been thinking about it. And um, at the end of or the beginning of this year, um, when we got back from our break, I talked to him, and he said that, yeah, yeah, it's going through, and we're doing this. So, Okay, what are your thoughts on him as a, as a tight end at this point? He's really impressed me in spring ball. I, uh, because of my knee, I had to sit out and watch and kind of mm-hmm. help coach uh, Matt and Moroni as they were coming back and transitioning, and uh, it was just really cool. It, I was super impressed with Moroni because at wide receiver, you're, um, you're, you're, you're trying to be a finesse player, and at tight end, you still have to have that finesse, but you also have to be physical like a lineman. And it was impressive to see Moroni step up physically and push and, and really want to be better at blocking rather than just being content to be a good route runner. And it was impressive to see that. Uh, would you describe today's hairstyle as the top knot <laughs> or the man bun? What are you going with? I, I go with top knot. I, can't, I, I, I don't like the, the man bun thing. I can't do that. So I, I go top knot. The top knot. <laughs> uh, Matt, your your reaction to Tanner's style today? Uh, well, I'm I'm becoming used to it because I see it all the time now. But uh, <laughs> I won't lie, the first time I saw it, I I was a little taken aback. I'll, you know, it's something you it's, could pull off if you wanted to, or probably not. not okay. Honestly, no. I'm gonna stick with the comb over or you know whatever else. But definitely not the top knot. <laughs> Tell us how Brother Spencer's doing, please. Doing really well. Yeah, awesome. Uh, he's married. Works uh, here in Provo. He works for Edge Pest Control. Okay, yeah. And uh, he's doing really, really well there. Loves it. Um, and, but yeah, he's he's doing really well. Does this does this media day help you guys get any close? Like, you're always busy. You're conditioning and you're working on your own. But I think for fans, this is like, the season's that just that much closer. Does it help you guys with that too? Yeah, I get psyched up for sure. Just thinking about it more because um, I try to stay calm and relaxed and everything. But then when you have... A day just talking about it, thinking about it, going over it, and what's to come. It gets me hyped up, and I get really excited for the season. How about you, Matt? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I don't know. I just kind of like, kind of like what Tanner said. I try to stay calm, but once I start thinking and once I start talking about, you know, the few the games and everything, I, I actually get a little shaky. I kind of get a little <laughs> anxious, a little, a little excited. Well, I'm pumped. I'm ready to start calling some plays and uh, and some wins. And what a great season and schedule you guys have lined up. We didn't get into the schedule, but you guys know what's in front of you. It's going to be a wild one. It will be. It'll yeah. be fun. Matt, thank you. Tanner, appreciation to you as well. Thank, thank you. you very All right, much. that's Matt Hadley and uh, Tanner Baldry. We've come to the first hour of Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel here at BYU Football Media Day. Coming up in hour number two, BYU AD Tom Holmo and Kalani Sitake joining me in studio. 
And the coordinators, Ty Detmer and Ed Lamb with me. Johnny Linehan and Rhett Almond will end up our number two. Coming up in the third hour, Elisa Tuiaki and more BYU football players. This is BYU Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel on BYU Radio. Takes this free kick and curls it inside the left post. What a goal! The Cougars win it! The Cougars win it! And now, live from BYU Football Media Day, it's Behind the Mic with the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Live from Studio 2 with the BYU Broadcasting Building, welcome to our number two of Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel, our debut edition of this program on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, byuradio.org, and the BYU Radio app. It is BYU Football Media Day. Good first hour in the books. Mark Lyons, Jason Shepard joining us to, to kick off the show. Coach General Guilford, the cornerback, Diane Gawulaku are with us. Coaches Ben Cahoon and Steve Clark, and then Matt Hadley and Tanner Baldry. Safety and tight end joining us to end our number one. We're in the second hour. We kick off our number two with the head coach of the Cougars, Kalani Sitake. Coach Sitake, always good to see you. Good to be here, Greg. How you doing? I'm very well. Uh, it's a great day. I love these kinds of days. It's a day in which we get to talk football, which is fine, but also um, where we get to remember uh, the impact of your coach, and we say our coach, Lavelle Edwards, and uh, so many great things to honor uh, this man have happened since his passing. Another one came up today as we learned that you'll have a visible, physical representation of Lavelle, not just today, but on these players' uniforms as they play every down this season. What a, what a great honor. Oh yeah, and and for a great man, and so I, I I'm, I mean, I, I don't think you could do enough. And if anyone asks me how to celebrate Lavelle and honor him, I would I would be all about it. And and so, uh, whatever the ideas are, and however we can um, celebrate his life and the influence that he had on so many people, I'm, I, I don't think we could do more more. I don't think we can do enough for what he's already done in his lifetime and the people that he he's influenced. I was listening to some of the uh, interviews that BYU TV had done with some of the coaches uh, of the NFL variety who've left BYU for this show coming up at 2 o'clock. And by the way, at 2 o'clock on BYU TV, it'll be the Lavelle Edwards Coaching Tree program. Andy Reid is here in studio uh, downstairs. He'll be uh, uh, in in with the program and so many other coaches. And and one of the tape recorded or the videotape recollections came from Mike Holmring. I got to see this yesterday. And Mike said something interesting I didn't really think about. He said back when BYU won the national championship back in 1984, and, and, you know, the polls come out and the coaches vote, he says, you know, if there was any coach out there that, you know, had maybe qualms about our schedule or this or that, he thinks that a lot of their votes for BYU as a national champion were there as respect for Lavelle Edwards and the kind of program he had put together, and that he deserved the championship because he was that well-respected and well-loved within the fraternity that it, when it was time to vote in 1984, these coaches all said, yeah, dang right, Lavelle had a national championship team this year, that, that he thought that, that their feelings for him helped influence what was a natural vote, obviously, but they said, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's him, that's his program. Yeah, definitely. That, that's that's um, When you find out uh, from... Just being out in, in in coaching or in the football, um, in the, the business of football, he he is well respected and all around, and and he has uh, his influence and in, in just as a respect for him as a coach is it's 
it's uh it's the top of the profession you know and so a lot of people respect him for what he's done as a coach but definitely respect the way that his players play and the way that he he uh, organizes a team I, i've been really impressed with all the coaches and we're going to learn about his coaching tree but the people that he's brought along and then the people that he's selected as coaches and mentors to other young men and uh in in this in this uh you know the tradition that carried carries carried on from byu um he he was very strategic with it and he chose great people and um you know, even his own family, Patty and, and his three children, they they were involved with the football team. And so um, Lavelle was just all about people, and uh, it, it showed in the way he coached, but it also showed in his relationships and the profession that he, he, he carried on as a coach. Most of the coaches in your coach's room coached for Lavelle Edwards. How much of that relationship just naturally seeps into um, the kinds of things you guys are able to either discuss or philosophize about or the kinds or, or the way you just coach? Well, it's a, it's a huge part. I, I feel um, connected to Steve Young and Jim McMahon and Ty Detmer and all the great quarterbacks because I played in the similar, the same offense, you know, and and uh, when, when Ty and I got together, we never really talked football before um, until we started talking about the job and everything. And we were speaking the same language. But um, that that's just learning the, the plays. But imagine being under the same program and having the same culture. You know, it's something that's very recognizable from uh, coaches and players, but also from fans. And so uh, being here and doing this, this is really nothing original all we've done is just taken what we were what we were afforded when we were playing and we're trying to establish that here and so uh, i think it fit perfectly when i was a player and i would be crazy not to try to um you know do the same thing here and it's just it's just a different version it's a remix version mm-hmm. um but but it's from guys that have played in the system and been around Lavelle and understand the culture and what BYU is all about. You're the first one of his guys to be the head coach now at BYU. And maybe down the line, uh, years and years down the line, we hope, uh, we'll say that about somebody else. But is there a certain responsibility, whether you think it's conscious or not, that you feel as as kind of that of linking him to you and, and what people might expect from BYU football nowadays? I believe so. I mean, he's the father of BYU football, you know, and, and he's the one that really put it on the map. But he also did that with football together. He he changed the game, you know, and so um, and, and he did it with his coaches and he did it with humility and he did it with a lot of class and sportsmanship. So uh, I think we're just trying to follow the same example and trying to do things the same way. But, um, you know, it's it's uh, it's just an honor to be here. And it is, you know, I, I started off as a BYU fan. I, I'm a fan first and I happen to be lucky enough to play football here, and then now I'm the head coach, and I just feel like I'm in a great spot. But it's, uh, I think it's my job to make sure that people understand what it's like to be a player here and understand what it's like to be to also remember that I've always been a fan, that will always be my background. And so, um, yeah, I, I believe that, you know, there's somewhere out there there's a kid that uh, wants to play football at BYU. Maybe one day he will. And um, or already has, you know, and then maybe one day he'll be the head coach. And get, I, I think that's a that's a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. And it's all established because of what Lavelle did here as a coach. Kalani Satake, BYU's head football coach, joining me, Greg Grubel, on our debut edition of Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel here on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, BYU and the BYU Radio app. BYU Athletic Director Tom Holmo has stepped into the studio. Tom, thanks for coming on for a minute. Thank you. Congratulations, Greg. Yeah, thanks a lot. This will be a lot of fun, I think, heading down the line. Uh, The day began this morning um, with you able to
to share with Cougar Nation some exciting news, and a lot of it uh, revolves around uh, Lavelle Edwards and his lasting impact. And uh, as Kalani said a moment ago, you know, he said you probably can't do enough you know, to honor Lavelle, however you would choose to do so. Just uh, the notion of the patch and the fact that it's with us today and will be with the players this year, um, just the motivation behind that, the thoughts about how it came together and, and how you think it's been received so far. Well, when Lavelle passed, we all had an opportunity as a football family, BYU football family, to share a lot of our memories. So a lot has been written, a lot has been said. And uh, just being the BYU football program, and Lavelle will always be a part of the program. Kalani and I, we talk about Lavelle a lot. And so we, we wanted to talk about how we could do something this year. Uh, and I think, like you said, things have been said and things have been done. But this is now maybe how we represent. And it's just a reminder. It's certainly a tribute. I think um, all the players and everybody associated with the program will remember clearly by just seeing that. Um, Since I made that announcement this morning, I've had a couple hundred people text or tweet saying, can we have the patch? Can we buy the patch? Can we use the patch? We didn't really intend for that. We thought maybe it would be more of a sacred thing that would be, you know, really for the team. But it's just, it's not any different, Kalani. You know, whenever you start talking about Lavelle, it starts to spread. And everybody wants to share. And so we'll see, you know, we'll see what happens because I don't want to leave anybody out. But intended, Mm -hmm. Kalani and I just did this so we could um, honor and pay tribute and uh, just for something, someone very special. I'm already thinking ahead to the number of times a camera will focus on the patch in this fall and the many games we're going to play. The number of times that's going to happen, it'll give a chance for a commentator or a play-by-play guy to talk about them, to think about them, and then have the fans for, to also have a similar... They may not have been BYU fans for their life, but they'll be reminded of just what he was and who he was. And so I think the fact that we can, again, kind of uh, spread the gospel of Lavelle in a, in a way is going to be a great thing. And, you know, that, that's worth it. It really is worth it because I can't tell you how many times, like, nationally, when I'm out at a meeting or I'm at a game and when people will come up to me and they'll ask me about Lavelle. How was Lavelle? How's he doing? And... uh in those times, you realize how special he was. Everybody has a story about Lavelle and how he influenced their life. And I think sometimes here, being at BYU, maybe in the state of Utah on the Wasatch Front, people sometimes took for granted just the impact that he had. And so you're right, Greg. I think when people see that patch this year, it'll give the opportunity to, to share the great stories, and it keeps going on. Yeah. Uh, the Lavelle Edwards Coaching Tree program airs at uh, 2 o'clock on BYU TV. You can see it on demand. It's going to be a wonderful chance for uh, fans to realize, again, just how well-respected and loved that Lavelle was uh, in the fraternity and and beyond. Love this day. Media Day is, is wonderful the way it's put together. And, and Tom and Kalani, you've seen firsthand just how professionally assembled this whole uh, function is. Uh, Brett Pine and Duff Tittle and the many that work uh, with them here in this building, this great facility. No one else can really do it like this. It's an amazing thing, I think. I agree. When I was sitting in there today and seeing all the radio, the web, the TV, the radio, you know, all of it, there's just so many things going on. There is no other school in the country that can do this. I mean, the resources that we have available through BYU Broadcasting 
It is amazing. And, uh, you know, the people with BYU Broadcasting, they do a remarkable job. And you might be able to replicate this on the conference level, but no school could do it individually. Kalani, how's your day been that way? I'm not sure what number of interviews this is for you today, 20 or 30, but thanks for keeping it fresh. I appreciate it. (laughs) No, I'm enjoying it because we're talking about football. You know, football's right around the corner. But um, just to piggyback off what Tom said, that the uh, fan base is – is uh, there's a demand for it, and I I'm very appreciative that you know through BYU broadcasting and through our people, it, the, you know Brett and Duff and everyone that they were able to connect the two places where whether it's our football coaches and our program with the fans and and because uh, there's a huge demand for it and and they do a great job at at uh, you know having this and our program be accessible to others and that's what this is all about. I think that. We, we all have stories about Lavelle, but there's so many great stories about BYU in itself as a university and the influence that it has on so many people, and it goes worldwide, and it's uh, something that needs that people need to hear about. It's very motivating. It does it, does it for me, and, uh, you know, I can talk about BYU. I can talk about BYU football for as long as you let me, and, and uh, I'm glad we got the right people to organize it. You've been the head coach for about a year and a half, and, and as you kind of maybe take this snapshot in time of where you guys are, how positive do you sense the momentum is regarding BYU football here in 2017? I feel really comfortable with everything, and, and a lot of that has to do with with what Tom has done with the athletic department and, and uh, uh, allowing us to do our job and allowing our football program to function. You know, we uh, we're able to do a lot of the things that that um, you know a lot of people don't know about, but but it's because we're a big time program that that uh, has been given a lot of big-time opportunities, big-time uh, resources that Tom has provided for us and has organized for us. And a lot of that has to do with, uh, you know, trying to get the best product on the field. But uh, we're also having a great time doing it. I, I get to go to work and be around great people no matter where I turn, and whether they're the players, uh, the people that I work with in the athletic department, uh, the people that I work with in, in, in the marketing and broadcasting. Everywhere you go, the fans that we run into, the students, um, it's big time, big time, and and I'm I just, now with everything that we have, let's get it visible and let's try to win some games and bring some more attention to BYU. Tom, as a current administrator with a players and coaches background, what's your read on how things are going here a year and a half into this new tenure? Very well. I, I love what Kalani and his staff, the players, have done with this program in a short amount of time. I think. For me as the athletic director and Kalani as a football coach, we know that we have a great foundation from which to build. And that's one of the strengths of BYU is the school, the support it receives from the church, the foundation of the um, Cougar Nation fans. That kind of is built in, but it's still our responsibility now to add to that. And I think in a a year's time, I know from talking with so many people out there, that our fans are really, really excited about the first year. Now, as Kalani and I speak, you know, about going forward, there's plans, there's future plans. And one of the things I really like with Kalani right now is that he has a good perspective. Um, he, he doesn't want to get too far ahead of himself. He likes to keep the team grounded. Uh, he knows how to hold those reins and uh, those guys. He lets them go, you know, just to that right spot. So that they don't, you know, overshoot. I think it's really important in physically, mentally, you know, psychologically, to be able to know when it's time to pounce. And right now, we're in a really good spot. And you can see it building. You can see the growth and the potential is 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 exceptional. Um, but Kalani knows the plan. He has a plan, and uh, it's just fun. It's really fun mm-hmm. being a part of it. 
Coach Satake, where do you envision the strengths of the 2017 football team being in greatest evidence here early on especially? Well, I think for us, the consistency that we have, we were able to keep all our coaches here and going to the second year. So the being familiar with what, with the process already. Last year, it was really a, a lot of unknowns, and now we, we know what we're, get, we're, we're going into. We know what we have from our players. To, to me, that's our strength. You know, the, um, the players are talented. Don't get me wrong. We, we, we love all of them, but it would be difficult for me to list one position over the other. You know, it, it helps out having great leadership. And, um, you know, we're just going to put the best guys out there and see what happens. And, um, but we're, we're only as good as our, as our um, you know, our 120th guy. So we're, we're going to be 120 strong. We're going to make it work, and we're going to try to get the best product out there and have some fun doing it. The most career starts right now are on your offensive line. It's not a bad place to, to, to be if you want to have a really experienced group. Yeah, I know Tanner's really happy about that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that helps out when you have a quarterback that wants to throw the ball a little bit more. And obviously with our running game, you know, we're going to have to replace Jamal. And uh, there's there's great talent there. We just have to have them battle it out and see who's going to emerge. I mean, it happens every year. You have to you have to find who's going to be the guys that are going to take advantage of the reps and become, become a starter. And so that's going to happen with our receivers, our defensive tackles. And there's a lot of good competition going on. But I can tell you that there, there's great talent that, that can compete for those spots. You think we're back in the tight end business? Definitely. That We've committed to it. And we said that's what we're going to do from day one. And uh, I've been really impressed with the uh, – with the, the recruiting ability for us to get tight ends, but also big guys like offensive linemen, defensive linemen, and I think the trenches are going to be fine from now on. Kalani mentions the word recruiting, and Tom, the sense you get is that the recruiting uh, machine is humming along in a really good way right now. The recruiting stepped up a lot. I think that one of the things I've seen is that our coaches are out earlier, um, are looking at younger kids, and it's hard in this business to to focus on the, the class that's coming in, let alone that's two or three years away. But really, it's a competitive world out there. And if you don't jump on these kids in the early days, you'll be long forgotten. And so I know that that's one of the things that has changed is that Kalani and the staff, they're on a lot of people early, and they keep that connection with that family. It's really a whole family that's involved, not just the recruit. And so that when it comes time to make a decision, it's not abrupt. Mm -hmm. It's not smoke and mirrors where you have to try to trick a kid into coming. (laughs) Those kids are going to either enjoy and want to be associated with the fit of BYU or they're not. And that takes a lot of time. And these guys like to do that. I think it's one of the things that I enjoy watching with our uh, coaches right now is they like recruiting. You can be a, a good recruiter and think it's hard and not really like it. Or natural you, to you. Yeah, yeah, but you cannot be a great recruiter unless you love you know, talking with people and wanting to chat with them. And you've got you to be part of it. You've got to really be totally immersed. Before we let you go, Tom, you did mention this morning in the state of the program, uh, ESPN has taken their option in for 2019. That's a good thing. And while you're a bowl free agent, you're not going to be without a good place to play if you get bowl eligible. We know oh, that. Oh, sure. I, I think that... It's just, I think maybe Cougar Nation, we've, we've all become a little spoiled. Just my wife knows how to plan the holidays because she knows where that bowl is. But that's not going to be the case. And this is year. the way it used to be. Back it's, in the day, yeah, you waited. It's actually how it is for everybody else in college football except BYU. So I know our guys are like it. I'll try to lock up some games in the future. But for the next two years, 
we're a free agents. Now, not, not a bad place to be because uh, something new will come out of it and probably something attractive and interesting. Uh, Kalani and uh, Tom, thanks for taking a few minutes to join us here on Behind the Mic, our debut edition of the show. Kalani, like it or not, you'll see a lot more of me in the months to come. I look forward to it, though. Oh, I love it. I love our friendship. We, we go way back anyway. We do. We go yeah. back in the day. So I, And I, I consider myself one of Lavelle's guys in a way, too, uh, because he was my coach when I was here as a student, and I was fortunate to, to be in many a locker room with him as the sideline guy back in the day as well. And so I feel the way most everyone else does when we talk about the great Lavelle Edwards. Kalani and Tom, thanks again. Thanks, Thank Greg. you. All right, we've got Ty Detmer coming up next. This is Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel on BYU Football Media Day on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, BYURadio.org, and the BYU Radio app. Back with Ty after this. Tanner sets to throw. Now steps up on his feet, dives for the goal line, and he's in for six. Tanner Mangum with a touchdown run, and the Cougars open the scoring. Welcome back inside Studio 2 in the BYU Broadcasting Building for Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel, our debut edition of the show here on BYU Radio as part of BYU Football Media Day. Appreciation to head coach Kalani Satake, athletic director Tom Holmo for kicking off our hour number two. We'll be with you till 3 o'clock Mountain Time, 5 o'clock in the Eastern Time Zone. Pleasure to welcome to the program BYU's offensive coordinator, QB coach, and former BYU quarterback and Heisman Trophy winner, Ty Detmer. Ty, thanks for coming in. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So I'm interview what for you today? Uh, good question. 10, 11, 12. <laughs> You've had a lot, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, it's been good, though. It's not it's a bad thing, though. Get it all knocked out in one day, and, and then you can have a few weeks off. What do you plan to do in the next month or so before players report? Uh, we'll head to Texas, see my family for uh, about a week, and then uh, we've got a Lake Powell trip planned with some friends that have a houseboat down there uh, the week before we get started so that'll be fun so a chance to recharge before you guys hit it hard here in uh, late july i say late july wow Uh, with the two-a-day schedule having been changed and the fact you've got a week zero game there you are in the last week of july getting after it yeah it's uh coming up quick and you know i think uh I think for the players, it's kind of like, let's get going. You know, we're working out, we're lifting, we're running, but um, they all want to get to practice and get going. So um, I think coaches, we'd like to wait as long as we could. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they're ready to go. It's It's been fun watching them, uh, you know, in the weight room, around the, the facility, and they're ready. Well, you and everyone else in the studio here with me today is wearing the BYU Royal Blue Polo with the Lavelle Edwards patch on the left sleeve. Once you leave here, you'll head downstairs and be in the audience for the 2 o'clock BYU TV show called the Lavelle Edwards Coaching Tree. And it really is a tree with dozens of branches, really. And a few of those guys, uh, present and former coaches, will be here today uh, to honor Lavelle. About an hour or so ago, Andy Reid walked in the building, and I asked if you had a chance to get with, with Andy, and you said uh, you said yes. You've already touched base? Yeah, we got to uh, talk a little bit. Um, so he and his wife, Tammy, and, you know, he was the tight end coach in Green Bay mm-hmm. when I was there for four years. So got to know Andy real well in Green Bay, and it's always good to see him and the success he's been having. But um, we, I was able to be down in the room with all the coaches kind of prepping for the show and hearing them uh, share their stories and then um, kind of reliving some of mine in my in my own mind were a lot of fun you know Lavelle touched so many people and and from that 
um, you know, these guys are out coaching now and, and same demeanor or similar mm-hmm. style. Um, everybody's a little different, but um, he definitely had an impact on a lot of people. Yeah, I wasn't sure if a lot of our fans knew that you and Andy were actually in the same locker room for, for a number of seasons there. Yeah, it was great. You know, he had me to his house for dinner and got to know his kids. And, um, you know, and, and part of that was probably because he played for Lavelle and, and uh, you know, had that same demeanor about him uh, as a coach. As you found yourself uh, with different NFL teams, how much of the coaching tree do you think was showing up with the different franchises you were with, either philosophically or playbook-wise? How much of what started here in Provo did you find yourself kind of bumping into at places around the country? Well, it was interesting because when I go to Green Bay from BYU, uh, it's West Coast offense. Well, that's kind of basically what we ran at BYU. So Doug Scoville and you know the coaches that had been here Mike Holmgren it was it was a real similar system you know formations were called colors you know kind of same colors and uh so I had a you know great background going into the NFL but then you know the coaches I played for uh Marty Morningwig was with Holmgren in uh in Green Bay Steve Mariucci so I I played for a lot of those guys that were kind of Mike Holmgren coaching tree who spent some time here and Bill Walsh coaching tree, but, uh, you know, a lot real similar scheme-wise. Um, every every coach has a little different personality, but, um, you know, when I got to Green Bay, Mike Holmgren's first year as a head coach there, and, and we talked about Lavelle and the time that he had spent here. And so you, you felt that influence and kind of felt at home being in Green Bay that mm-hmm. first year. Well, Andy Reid will be on the show live. Mike Holmgren will be seen uh, on video along with others like Brian Billick and Mike Leach and so many others will be heard from in this show. And and again, what a great way to honor uh, his contributions to the game. And really, as you'll hear, the theme from these coaches will be that whether or not everyone realizes it, a lot of modern college football, especially with the throw game, kind of had its genesis uh, with Lavelle and his coaches kind of spread out from Provo. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, Lavelle would be the first to tell you he he wasn't the passing game guru. He he hired good people, and and you know I think that's that's what I took away from being down in that room was that he hired hired people and trusted them to do their job and and uh, kind of managed as a fatherly figure. And it wasn't always football that they talked about. It was, you know, how's how's your family? How you know? And, and every time he called me, that was the first question: How's mm-hmm. your family doing? You know, how's every all the girls? And and so um, you feel that from all the guys that are here, and and uh, you, you know, you'll have a chance to see that on the show, yeah. I'm sure. BYU's second-year offensive coordinator, Ty Detmer, joining me, Greg Grubel, here in studio on BYU Football Media Day. So if the object of football is to be on score points, move the chains, you lose two of the best chain movers in BYU football history in Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams. The cupboard is not bare, but those were two pretty special talents when it came time to move the sticks. Yeah, for sure. They, uh, you know, they were a big part of what we did last year, and they complemented each other fairly well, you know, so... It's uh, it'll be a little different, and um, you know we'll have to be a little sharper um, because they they just naturally with their athletic ability kind of made things happen, made people miss, you know both guys, um, and so we're, you know we'll have to be prepared a little more, a little better game plan, um, but 
definitely the coverage aren't bare. We've got some good young players just been waiting their time. And then, uh, you know, we know what Tanner did his freshman year right. and what he's capable of. So uh, we're all excited about it. We can't wait to see the young guys step up and get their opportunity and, and hopefully become that household name that the other guys were. We'll talk about some of those young guys. Uh, Taysom really was, he was kind of the ultimate third down safety net, though, wasn't he? He was, man. He, you know, we were very high. Uh, conversion percentage uh, most games and that was because he had the option to pull it down and go get it himself or uh, get a completion and so um, and then you have you know Jamal there that if if you want to turn around and hand it to him on third and three felt comfortable that he'd be able to get it so like I said they kind of complemented each other you send Jamal to the right and Taysom to the left and the defense has to stay home, which allowed Jamal to have a little more room. And when they didn't, then Taysom made them pay. So I mentioned those two guys. Now, you were drafted by the Packers, right. and those two guys are <laughs> green and gold now. How crazy is that that they're together and with your old team? I think it's awesome. Colby's there, too, Colby but yeah. Colby yeah. there now, too. And so, you know, I after the draft, I, uh, I texted um, uh, Edgar Bennett, who we played together. He's the OC there now. Yeah, and, yeah. Told him he was getting some great young men and and uh, wished him the best and and so it, it's a great spot. I mean, it's one of those rare NFL cities that's like a college town. The people just love it. You know, Jamal will be throwing the ball in the stands with the fans before the game, and they'll eat it up. You know, he'll fit right in, and it's a great opportunity for Taysom. Similar um, type of scheme to what we had terminology. Mm-hmm. We use some West Coast terms and. And so I think it's a great fit for all of them to be able to be there and that smaller community get to know the fans, the fans get to know them, and and they've done a great job. It's a great organization that's, that's run the right way, and, and uh, Mike McCarthy's a great coach. Not that uh, Packer Nation needs you know any help. The Packer fan base is amazing, but they're going to find that they've got a lot of fans they didn't used to have before, that all of a sudden... <laughs> All these people in Utah and all these BYU fans are suddenly the biggest Packers fans in the world. Yeah, no question. Uh, you know, I've, I've saw a couple of Packer jerseys on kids at camp this week, and they're bringing them out. You know, so um, they they all of a sudden added a big fan base by drafting Jamal and signing Taysom and yeah. Colby, and it's uh, it's great for them, and and they'll have a big following that they probably didn't expect. Of course, the fan base is a bit divided because a lot of them go to Andy's guys in KC too. But there's enough love to go around wherever a BYU guy or guys go. Uh, the Cougar fans are sure to follow. I, I felt it the whole time I played at all the different teams, and uh, you know I'm sure uh, you know the, the players. We always appreciated it. You know the fans following and. Yeah. It's even easier now with the social media and all the internet and everything, so it'll be great. Okay, Ty, 2017 football. The four least experienced position groups on the team are wide receiver, quarterback, tight end, and running back. But the most experienced position group on the team is offensive line. So if you have that inexperience around them, it's sure good to have that core uh, coming back with so many starts there up front. No question. You know, that that to me is where it all starts. If you can uh, have the experience up front to protect and give Tanner a little extra time uh, for receivers either to work open or him to go through his reads and open some holes for inexperienced running backs, um, good things will happen. So... I'm excited with that group coming back that we have up front. And uh, year two, hopefully we're a little tighter, a little cleaner on some things. But, um, you know, it's great to have that as your foundation and uh, those guys to lead the offense. Is there a thing or two 
um, that that you have in mind that you want to see a market improvement in or uh, around from year one to year two for you? Um, I don't know. You know, you're always trying to eliminate the negatives and accentuate the positives, you know, but every year is different because you lose a few guys, you pick up a few guys, um, some guys step up. So, And your tactical approach is clearly going to change with the different personnel you've got running the play. Yeah, you know, we'll be um, a little different that way, maybe not have to sub-personnel grouping so much, um, you know, with from four receivers to, to two tight ends, you know, or we've got two tight ends that really could serve as receivers. So we mm-hmm. could be more two tight end set in passing game. Um, and that helps us keep defenses off balance in the run game as well. But, uh, you know, when you look back at it and you self scout, you'd like to see, you know, we had a lot of third downs, a lot of games. And so I, I feel like, you know, fewer third downs, that's where the pressure plays are. You know, if we can get some chunk plays on first or second down, put yourself in scoring position, you know, with some, 15, 20-yard gains here or there or more, um, that helps you to, you know, not have to convert so many times on third downs during the course of one drive. I asked Coach Cahoon earlier this afternoon to to kind of describe the wide receiver room, and he says, uh, maybe unknown is the best way. He said, we don't mind it that way. And I think what we're going to find is a lot of the unknowns will become knowns pretty quickly, and I think in a pretty positive way. I know that even though maybe all the numbers aren't there right now, I think you like your talent uh, outside, don't you? We do. We, um, you know, that's the question mark I or question I get from most fans is who are the receivers going to be, you know, and, and uh, we feel really good about those guys in our coaches meetings in our rooms, but people just haven't heard the names uh, as much as, you know, they will this year. So we've got talent, we've got some speed, explosiveness that uh, we got to find ways to just get guys a little more involved, get them the ball in their hands and let them do their thing. So we're, you know, we're expecting a big year out of some of the newcomers, uh, Leva Hefo, Jonah Trenman's back for another year that we need to find a way to get him the ball a little more. Talon Shumway, Micah, Micah and Achille Simon, are coming off, Achille yeah. are redshirted that people didn't hear anything about before. So they're uh, they're guys to watch definitely that you know people really haven't heard much from. Okay, last thing for you, Ty. We know what a week at Powell's going to be like. It's the same for everybody. But what's a week in Texas going to be like for you when you go down? Uh, we'll see. You know, my family, my brother-in-law had a severe stroke um, probably a couple months ago. And so I'm um, looking forward to spending a little time with him and, and just, you know, seeing some of the slight progress he's been able to make. And then uh, we'll spend... I'd like to, as many days as I can talk my wife into at the ranch, uh, we'll go down there and just, uh, you know, it's hot, but, you know, time away, that's that's my time to just not think about anything. And uh, so that'll be probably a week in Texas, check in on friends in Austin and, and uh, let the girls see some of their friends. And then, you know, we're back home for a week and then pal for a week. Well, my father had had a stroke in the last couple of years, and we know that it is just a matter of progress, and you look for little things each time you, you meet with that person or around that person. So hopefully uh, uh, things are well with your brother-in-law, and you get to see some good things when you get down there. But enjoy your time to decompress. We'll see you back here soon enough as we get this thing going. Thank you, Ty. Sounds good. Thanks. All right, that's Ty Detmer, BYU's offense coordinator and QB coach. We'll come back with special teams coordinator, safeties coach, and assistant head coach, Ed Lamb. He's next on our debut edition of Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. BYU Football Media Day is on. BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, BYU and the BYU Radio app. Back at Studio 2 after this.
pressured by Kafusi. Evades it to the right sideline. Throws on the run. It is in the air. A long time picked off. It's Kainakua. Kainakua with the INT. The playmaker does it again. Tackled at the 31 for BYU. And that's it. This game is over. Well, that's how our 2016 season ended, I believe, in the uh, in soggy San Diego. Kainakua helping to seal the deal as BYU took care of the uh, Wyoming Cowboys in the Poinsettia Bowl. Alas, for BYU Cougar fans, Kai is moving on. But yet, on the flip side, we get to follow the Cleveland Browns and Kai Nakua this year. And he's done a well, uh, done a fine job in the OTAs and mini camps that I've been able to gather. And we wish him all the best as we now try and find his replacement in that defensive backfield here in the year 2017. Welcome back to BYU's Media Day here on Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. I am Greg Rubel here in Studio 2 at BYU Broadcasting. You're listening on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143. Thanks to Ty Detmer for joining us, Tom Holmo and Kalani Satake earlier in this hour. Pleasure to welcome to the program BYU's safeties coach, special teams coordinator, and assistant head coach, Ed Lamb. Ed, thanks for coming in. Yeah, thanks for talking to me, caring about what I have to say. I do care. Yes, and uh, (laughs) so we have the Kainakua play-by-play cut there, and that was one of a number of plays just like that. I called him the playmaker. It just kind of came out because that's what he was for you. Yeah, it sure was. Yep, and and you know, I don't know if your next question is going to be, you know, how do you teach him to recognize the ball and get over there for the interception? Really, we don't spend time doing that. We work on some interception drills, et cetera. But it's really a player has to have a knack for when to take the chance. Um, if if as a coach tries to coach interceptions too hard, what you see a lot of is a miss, a lot of missed interceptions, catches, and then the, the uh, receiver turning up the field, you know, for the touchdown and the long run after the catch. So he had that knack. I think playing high school quarterback really helped him out. The risk you just mentioned is ever-present. I had Gennaro Guilford on much earlier on in the show. We were talking about the uh, the game he sealed in the win against Utah back in 2001, and he said, you know, I kind of had in my mind, I'm going to break. If I, and He said, double move might kill me, but yeah. on that first move, I'm going. That's and right. he made the right move. It was a calculated risk, if you will, but the right play, and it ends the game. That's right. Yeah, and a lot of times the, the secondary can talk a little bit before the snap. Defensive linemen do it all the time. Hey, I'm going to be a little more free here. Can you cover me in case the quarterback scrambles? rush a little slower, and, and secondary guys can do that too. That's why typically I'm a big believer in having only one secondary coach, but uh, you know, uh, Gennaro and I have been working together so long and speak the same language. We're not trying to coach over the top of each other, and we're lockstep in our beliefs. So you know, our secondary, I, I think, can do some of that communication as well. Gennaro has had freshmen uh, last year contributing in a very significant way. They're now sophomores, and people get so excited about whether it's uh, you know Diane and Troy, whatever the combination is going to be. These guys kind of growing together in the position. You're trying to find someone new to grow alongside Micah Hanneman, who's more experienced. Where do you stand right now in 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 a group of guys who you think from which that kind of Kua replacement, if you will, is going to emerge? Uh, well, besides Micah, uh, Matt Hadley and Tanner Jacobson played every game uh, at the safety position last year. And it's, sometimes it's, it's hard to see on defense. You guys don't necessarily come in and, and get immediate stats or, or um, check in as they're coming into the game. But those guys played um, you know, about 15 to 20 snaps per game. So they have a lot of good experience, too. Zane Anderson played in almost every game. So those four guys probably have a leg up. But you know, in no way would I want to discount uh, the ability to to become a starter. Austin Lee, Sawyer Powell, Kamel Green. Um, there's uh, there's and and Marvin Hefo, a walk on for us in the in the spring. All of the I in the the tightest game of the year on the most critical play. I I feel like all of those guys can make the play that we need. Now I understand that Chaz Ayu is going to play this year or intend to play. Is that correct? 
Yes. So what's realistic when it comes to a kid out of high school to come in? And you just mentioned a number of guys who've had snaps with you. How reasonable is it to expect a highly touted player, nevertheless, but a new kid to come out of high school and make a run at, uh, at playing time? Well, that's a great question. You know, taking that question taken in a just in a, in a vacuum and not considering the other players around, um, and, and only considering Chaz. You know, it's my goal to get him ready to play as soon as possible. It's my responsibility is a better word. And uh, Chaz certainly has all the all the physical tools. At the same time, when you know when you use the word expectations, I have no expectations that he'll come in and and play as a freshman. He has five years in his career to play four, and if that means he plays four right away and uses a fifth year on a graduate degree or is <laughs> off in the NFL, we'll be proud of him. But I know that from the from the moment I I actually can start working with him, then my priority is to get him to re- to ready to play. ASAP. Matt Hadley was on the program with me earlier in this afternoon as well. We talked about Matt's offensive days, maybe having passed him by the game. They may, they may be gone. Uh, and he was a tremendous, prolific offensive player in high school. But uh, still, the opportunity to maybe touch the ball as a returner is tantalizing to him. And he saw returns. And I think knowing as talented as he is with the ball in his hands, um, you're going to try and find a way to use him that way? That's right. Yep, we are. He, he, you know, he did, as you mentioned, he did kickoff returns last year. He'll, he will continue to do that. Was really pleased with the way he returned kickoffs for us. He protects the football, advances, and goes up into the blocking scheme with courage. Uh, the better we can get in the blocking scheme, the more yards he'll get. I'm sure of it. Um, we. In the spring, we actually moved uh, two guys from defense over to offense at the tailback position. That was Hadley and Kavika Fanua mm-hmm. as well. And uh, Matt got a little bit uh, dinged up with a toe, minor toe injury. He's fine now. He's been fine for a long time and, and training hard. But uh, Kavika, I think, just got the experience and the leg up. And so we, He's going to stick there, it looks like, Matt. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I believe he is. And, of course, he, you know, he could always move back. It's always a day-to-day. So versatile, yeah. 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 It's day-to-day for everybody on the team, really, yeah. where they're playing and what their role is. But right now, he's, he's pretty ingrained in there. We see him doing good things at tailback. If Matt were to emerge for you as as a regular rotation safety, would there be any qualms about using him as a returner, or would you say, hey, go ahead and do both? Oh, because of the depth at safety, I think even if he were the starter at uh, at safety, which right now I, you know, I I think it's fair to slot him in there as the starter at safety, he can still start at kickoff return. I believe that's what he would want to do. The to me, the the most important job of a special teams coach, particularly the way that I coach, I don't want to preach to guys how important special teams are. I've seen graphics, I've seen special teams coaches get up there and preach and plead and show the try to show the team how important special teams are. There are enough players at a place like BYU that are dying to make an impact on special teams that I want to tap into that. And so, you know, for right now, Matt, I know, wants to do everything he can on the special teams. If that changes because of his role on defense, there's another guy ready to go. Aleva saw the most returns for you, I think, at kickoff last year. Uh, does he have a leg up, or do you say open competition and someone else might emerge, or how comfortable are you there? We use a two-returner system. Uh, we try to put Aleva in the sweet spot of the kicker, so in other words, uh, Aleva will tend to get the kickoffs that go the highest and the furthest, and then Matt would take... Matt was the off. He's the, yeah. Yeah, what we call the off-returner, exactly. And so so Matt's role is to be, you know, he's got to be a good... It's kind of like a fullback. He's got to, uh, when we give him the ball, he's got to go straight through and attack the, the defense or the coverage team. He's got to get up into our return as quickly as possible. Most of Aleva's return opportunities have a little more big play capability. To put it in an offensive sense, he can go off tackle or around the edge. 
And uh, does, do you like him and still is that guy, or is someone else going to maybe emerge there? You think is in the return group? Oh, I, you know, I like I like those two guys, but it, you yeah. know, I've, I've I've I think I've said this to you before. I spent most of my career on the bench, and I'm always looking for somebody on the bench that that's dying to make a, an impact. So I know there's a lot of guys on this team that would love to be kickoff returner, and I'm just trying to tap into who they are. Uh, I want to ask uh, one recruiting-related question, then talk about the two guys coming up after you on the special teams. I get the sense, and a lot of it is just from, from monitoring social media and places like that, that um, that there's a momentum or, or, or the flywheel has started to really move from a recruiting standpoint for BYU with the new staff and the kind of guys they want to get in. How much of that is, is a realistic impression that, yeah, things are heading in a really positive direction and, and kind of at a high speed right now? Oh yeah, we're we're flying on uh, on recruiting and and really what it is 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 um, you know our our whole staff has got good and, and rich recruiting experience, but there are there are several guys on this staff that have had a demonstrated background of taking a look at a player outside of the role he's playing in high school, and um, you know I've I've for a long time believed that football is really other than maybe two or three positions is not a skill sport. It is a it's a physical. Um, it's a it's a it's a test of athleticism. It's a test of physicality. It's a test of measurables, and uh, and and Kalani really has a long background in that too. And so, really, we've kind of unleashed the gates on on recruiting measurables. And we, you know, we want to make sure that the high school coach is supportive of our offer, but uh, at the same time, we're we're devaluing some of the high school video that we see and putting an emphasis on potential. Does that go for your time at Southern Utah when you uh, ended up putting certain players in the NFL? Yeah, absolutely. That I mean, that was a must for us at Southern Utah, and it's a must at BYU. In fact, I was just I was just talking with one of our coaches the other day, who, you know, his his, his philosophy is a little bit different in the way he wants to recruit, and it's good. We need to have these healthy discussions, and I, and I'm not necessarily right, and maybe he's right, uh, but I, you know, I think we're meet more in the middle ground after our discussion. But but his comment was, don't you think it's a little different at Southern Utah? You know, having to recruit developmental players. I don't think it is different. The the bottom line, BYU has won a national championship. Anything less than that now is is just less than that and not good enough. So that is our task. That's our responsibility to raise this program to a national championship level. And if we can't recruit head-to-head with Alabama and uh, Michigan and Clemson, then we have to do something differently. And in my mind, that's player development. That's seeing talent where others don't. I learn a lot uh, when I talk football with you, and I appreciate uh, everything you share with me. Uh, the questions uh, may not be great. The answers are always amazing. Uh, before we <laughs> let you go, uh, we've got Rhett and Johnny coming up next. Rhett Almond and Johnny Linehan will end our hour. And as their coach, their special teams coach, what would you say about those two? Oh, oh um, I'll start with, with Rhett. Rhett has come so far from a confidence standpoint, and he's done it in the right way. It come. Um, you know, he came in last year with uh, no guarantees. I didn't know any of our kickers. He's got no guarantees. And, and literally every kick in every practice and every game, the job is on the line. And you saw that in, in game one. He, he makes a field goal and a PAT that I don't like the trajectory, and all of a sudden another guy's in there, you know. And yet he comes back to hit the game winner against uh, um, Toledo, right? T- uh, Toledo, yep, to, and to tie the game twice for overtime. Uh, with Mississippi State in clutch situations, and just deliver, and then in U- at Utah, I put him in with his heels on our own, on the back of our own end zone to punt, and he delivers a punt uh, sky high. Then they drop it, and we recover it. You know, uh, so I think through work ethic and experience, now he's gained confidence, which is which is the way it needs to be. It shouldn't, it doesn't, it shouldn't come from an outside source. It's come from within. He's worked toward it. 
Uh, you know, Johnny Johnny brings a lot of confidence from his other experience in sport. Uh, tremendously competitive in what he does, but but same thing. Things weren't all roses, and they shouldn't be. We, you know, we have to come through adversity, and so you know, we had a a moment of adversity last year during a game where I felt like that he wasn't. Um, uh, playing to his best, and so I let him know that, and he came back at me with his opinion. You know, There's a mutual respect going forward, and I thought he just really turned it on and was uh, was one of the best uh, punters in the country last year. Really knows how to work with the punt unit. If if he's able to stretch out our operation time, he gets a lot of roll on purpose and low trajectory. And if the rush doesn't allow him to stretch out that operation, he puts a lot of hang time on it. And the longest return against us last year was like six yards or something, you know, incredible like that. Really really two guys that will lead our specialist effort. Johnny probably keeps the kicker's room uh, lively. <laughs> well, the kickers would tell you we don't they, we don't have a room. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's right. He, he does make a point about that. Yeah, we're trying to find a room for those guys. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, so they do have a lot of time, and they do have, uh, you know, unlimited access to the locker room when all the other guys are in meetings and, and yeah. weights and all the things that they do separately. But, no, he, he does. He, he keeps it very light. Um, he really enjoys every day. And it's such a good reminder for, for all of us is to enjoy every minute together. Ed, I've enjoyed our time together. And while we talked, uh, the silent partner, Ed's wife, Sarah, was alongside. And it was, it was nice to have Sarah's vibe in here with us, yeah. even if she wasn't on the air. I felt her vibe. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and she kicked me a couple of times, too. If I start to go off on a tangent, she's supposed to kick me. <laughs> no kicks were required this time. Ed, thanks again. Yeah, thank All you, right, Greg. Rhett and Johnny coming up next. It's Behind the Mic with Greg Rubella, BYU Football Media Day on BYU Radio. Come back after this. I can't wait for the next fourth. Well, I don't want it to be soon, but if there's a fourth and 19, you'll see me smiling on the sideline. Because everyone's going to be we, guessing. Are they going to do it again? Yeah, well, yeah. you know, it might it happen. Did it last time. Ah, 4th and 19. Welcome back to Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, BYURadio.org, and the BYU Radio app. This is the debut edition of Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. I am your voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. It is media day and so many interviews that we've had and we'll still have between now and 3 o'clock. What a great day for me, hopefully you as well. You, co- you heard Coach Ed Lamb uh, tease the appearance of our next two guests, Rhett Almond, kicker slash punter, and uh, Johnny Linehan, uh, punter. Hunter extraordinaire, Rhett and Johnny. Thanks for coming in today. Man, thank you. Yeah, Good more than here. happy to be here. Yeah, yes. I love the attention. You know that. Yeah, well, an open <laughs> mic is a friend of yours. I know that. Uh, so I included Rhett Almond in this week's Cougar Quiz. By the way, if you go to byucougars.com Wednesday mornings, you get a Cougar Quiz every Wednesday. Uh, Ten questions on BYU football trivia, and one of this week's questions was about Rhett Almond. Question was, oh, I know it. Rhett attempted sixty-one scoring kicks. <laughs> In 2016, between PATs and field goals, how many of the 61 kicks did Rhett make? And it was a multiple choice. 46, 51, 56, or 61? What was the right answer, Rhett? Uh, my guess would be 56. It was 56. Exactly. You weren't perfect, but you weren't far from it. So uh, almost every scoring kick was a good one for Rhett Almond last year, and he is our guest right now on Behind the Mic. Um, Coach Ed Lamb was just in, and Rhett, uh, I, I could see you, uh, a little smile across your face as Ed talked about the Arizona game, and you found out pretty early, and you already had camp with him through August, but you found out pretty early how he tends to operate. How do you appreciate that approach? I mean... You got to appreciate it in the fact that uh, you're never safe. 
So you always have to keep getting better. There's somebody behind you that can do it if you can't do it. So you have to prove to coach that you can do it. If not, he's going to find somebody else. So it's always there's the the pressure and the I don't know the drive that he instills in us that makes us want to be the best and makes us want to get better because I mean yeah as we saw both in the Arizona game and Johnny in the Utah game he's not afraid to put someone else in and see how they do to light a fire underneath us to get better now the two parts of the equation are equally important here there's the action then there's the reaction how do you react to that moment uh do you hang your head and lose your focus and all of a sudden find yourself out of a job or do you refocus get right back on it and find yourself kind of reproving uh you know uh yourself to the to the coach and to the team right yeah and that's a that's a great point there are some people that would hang their head and say oh coach doesn't like me there goes my whole season there goes my whole career or you can snap out of it. Um, at halftime, I went out earlier, and I kicked more field goals at that Arizona game, and all of them felt perfect. I went up to coach. I was like, hey, I'm feeling great now. Put me back in. He said no. Um, Jake Oldroyd was still going to go in. But even after that game, I didn't let it get me down. I kept working hard at practice because I knew that whether it be now or in a couple years even, I was going to get another chance, and I needed to be ready. All right, Johnny, uh, having Coach Ed Lamb as your coach, you can uh, testify to the same approach. How has it helped you as a, as a player get better? Yeah, well, each coach has the has their different style, and, and there's no correct way of, of coaching. And, and so while you might disagree with with some of the methods, like, like Rick was saying, um, it, it just motivates you to be better so you don't have to give them that option to pull you. And uh, But one, one thing that I've really liked about these coaches is just the confidence that they've given us. Um, they they know they they let us know if we're not performing, but then if we are performing, they they just they just let us go out and do our own thing. And I think that really helped me, uh, especially in the punt game last year. I felt like I was a lot more relaxed and confident, and and that's just a credit to the coaches. Johnny, do you have individual goals uh, that you care to share, or are they really more related to team goals? And that's where you think the most important thing will happen this year. Yeah, it, it's always going to be about the team. Uh, as, a, as a punter and, and even as a kicker, as a specialist, really, uh, you have to kind of be really individually focused because, I mean, a kicker, right, he wants to win the game, but for him to do that, it's really up to him to put it through the post. And so a lot of it is with a punter as well, I want to be able to give our coverage team the best opportunity to make plays. And so it'll be the same as, as, same as I had last year. I want to, yeah, last year I think we were like 20th in net punting. Um, and I want to really crack the top 10, maybe top five, maybe even the best this year. And so that's kind of a goal I have to be uh, one of the best at net punting. And so if I do that, uh, a lot of that's going to be individual. But if I do that, it's going to help the team a lot. Uh, Rhett, are you a percentage guy? You just want to be the percentage as high as it can possibly be? or? Well, yeah, as a kicker, you want your percentage to be as close to 100 Are you, like, are you the kind of guy that I need to make a 50-yard or I want to go long? Or it's all about just making sure your percentage is super high. Uh, most important thing, percentage is super high. Uh, growing up kicking in high school, my dad would always instill in me that you need to be 100% inside 40 yards. doesn't matter how big of a leg you have. You need, to be, you need to show them that you can make every single field goal within 40 yards. And then as the time goes, you lengthen that, that 100% range. So start small. Make sure that you're 100% within a certain amount. And I think that's what my focus was last year. And last year I was 100% under 40 until the last game of the season, which was too bad. But 
Last thing, Johnny, between the snappers and kickers, how tight are you guys as a group? Oh, yeah, we're really tight. And that's the thing is you you only have really each other to lean on. A lot of other position groups have, what, like 20 guys, except maybe the quarterbacks. But they're friends with everyone because otherwise they won't pass them the ball. So everyone has to, <laughs> you know, Brown knows them a little bit. But, uh, no, us, us kickers and snappers, you know, we're, we're just a, a big family. We make fun of each other, have a lot of fun, and, and I really think we love each other. So we're really close. My time with you guys was far too short, and I apologize for not being able to have you longer. But thanks for both of you for coming in and getting us pumped up for 2017. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank All right, you. Johnny Linehan and Rhett Almond. We're coming up with hour number three of Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel here on BYU Radio. Lavelle um, obviously gave me a, ch- a chance. I was a high school coach, and I knew I wanted to go back to school, and, and I a chance to be a graduate assistant. I just took a chance and, and called, wrote him. Didn't even go to school. You know, he remembered who we were. We had competed. I had played against some of his teams, and he gave me a chance. And after a couple of years as a graduate assistant, he hired me full-time, and uh, you know, I'll ever, always be grateful for that. The secret to success for Lavelle was that you knew that he cared genuinely. Not because someone told him he should or because he needed to manipulate you in order to have success. He truly cared, and you recognized that. And, and that humble servant leader that was inherent to his personality made it very easy for him to do the things that he did. Welcome back inside Studio 2 at the BYU Broadcasting Building for hour number three of Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel on this BYU Football Media Day. Entering the hour, you just heard comments from former Lavelle Edwards coaches Norm Chow and Brian Billick. They are part of the Lavelle Edwards Coaching Tree program airing now on BYU TV. You can see that later on demand at BYUtv.com. And we are doing it different parts of this hour coming out of breaks, hearing some of those snippets from uh, Lavelle's former coaches. You heard there Coach Chow and Billick speaking about the impact of Lavelle Edwards. And this is hour number three behind the mic with Greg Grubel on BYU Radio. And it's our pleasure to welcome into the program Elisa Tuiaki, BYU's defensive coordinator and defensive line coach. E, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. So right now downstairs in the TV studio, uh, coaches are plenty uh, talking about the uh, the impact of Lavelle Edwards. Now, while you are one of the very few coaches on the staff who didn't play for BYU, there's no doubt that as somebody who you know kind of was raised in the shadow of Lavelle Edwards Stadium, that his impact uh, doesn't need uh, explaining to you. I mean, you are as as close to the situation without having played here as anybody could be, maybe. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I, I was just actually backstage with all those those coaches and big. Names. Names and you know, uh, starstruck, really, just kind of sitting there in awe, listening to their stories, listening to, to them talk about Lavelle, and um, you know, it was uh, it was really a blessing for me just li- to just sit there and listen and think that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a part of it, and and uh, really, I'm not a part of it, but I feel like I'm a part of it. I just really grateful to listen to those guys and hear them talk about Lavelle and and uh, how he was and how he coached and the principles he stood for. Even as a youngster and then getting into your later years, could you get a sense of, of just how um, unique a man he was in the coaching profession? Yeah, you know, I, I, was, I was like, I guess like a lot of fans, all I saw was really his, his stoic uh, face on the sidelines and all that, but um, they got to know people and, and uh, got to hear stories and all that. Um, 
you know, one one thing that I really thought about just just a few minutes ago when I was sitting there with all those other coaches is that Lavelle lived his his religion. You know, Lavelle lived and coached uh, with with principles. And you think about how long he's been coaching and the amount of lives that he's touched and all the people that are involved. Um, if there's one thing that won't die down and one thing that will last forever, it's it's principles, you know, that, that he lived by. And so that was really, really cool to hear some of them talk about that and, and think about it in that way. And I referenced this earlier uh, in the program, but in 1984, when it came time for the coaches to vote for a national champion, uh, Mike Holmgren believed that a lot of those coaches were kind of happy to ma- make their vote for BYU. Again, he said some might have had qualms with our schedule, but that kind of didn't matter because ultimately they were voting for Lavelle. They were voting for his program, and they thought, you know, uh, that that kind of, you know, he deserved it, so to speak. Everything that he'd build, and, and and they knew what he meant to the game of college football by that point. I mean, he was kind of helping with his coaches to kind of revolutionize, you know, the modern throw game in a lot of ways. And I think a lot of coaches were happy to cast their vote for BYU because they were kind of saying, "That's that's that's our guy. We 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 love him. We respect him." Yeah, no, that that says a lot about him. You know, this, especially in a game now, if you think. If you think today um, something like that would happen, I think that you get a lot of contrarians and, and different uh, votes with, with things that happen. But to, to think that people uh, were willing and kind of cheering for him yeah. to, you know, to do it, is, is, it speaks a lot about him. And it's kind of cool now that uh, this team this year, and you see it today on your polo shirts, uh, there will be a visible reminder of his contributions for um, a whole legion of college football fans here in the 2017 season with that patch. Yeah, yeah, it's a really, really cool patch. and. It's uh, he, I mean, I was talking with Galani just backstage. He's like, if he was here, he would tell us to stop, <laughs> to stop doing it. But you know, that's the kind of guy that he was. And we're, I know everybody, Cougar Nation, everyone that's that's moving forward with this this patch and this uh, this this logo is excited to do it for him on behalf of him and his family. So indeed, if you're not watching it uh, as we speak to you, uh, make sure you do catch that program, the Lavelle Edwards Coaching Tree on demand uh, with BYU TV. So this is your second BYU Football Media Day uh, here, and I would, I would imagine it's probably as impressive to you as it was the first time we came into this building and and had all this happen from uh, morning till night. It's uh, it's quite the arrangement. And again, as Tom uh, Holmo told us earlier, he confirms you know, no one, no other college is going to be able to do what we're doing here today, which is a special thing. You know, it is it is special, and it's. Big big time. Um, but I, I think, uh, you know, to add to that and just the, the reason why, it's because people care. You know, Cougar Nation cares. They're out there and they're strong. And and uh, obviously, if there wasn't that much of a care factor, then we it wouldn't be it wouldn't be amped up as it is now. And so, I mean, big up to to Cougar Nation and what they mean to this. OK, uh, how uh, how um, how much faster is the ball rolling this year than it was maybe last year when it comes to the momentum of the program, both in recruiting and tactically and on field stuff? It's uh, it's moving. You know, there's we're, we're picking up a lot of steam and getting a lot of got a lot of good recruits. And we're in a lot of a lot of uh, we're getting a lot of commitments early now. And and uh, with the kids currently in the program and they were. We're trying not to screw it up as coaches, you know. The, the one thing that you don't want to do is start adding things and start scratching your head and making things up. And just really, there, there's there's a good foundation, and the kids understand it. And we'll just um, continue to refine and uh, point them in the right direction and make sure that we're we're all staying humble and, and working hard. But um, there's there's definitely a lot of steam moving forward. I look at the uh, different position groups and at the personnel lined up at each spot, and I think right now, by the numbers, by the numbers, D-line 
has more players than any other group right now. Is that kind of how you see it right now? That, yeah, that is correct. Okay. Now, that may or may not be the case with every team. I'm not sure. O-line often has a ton of guys. D-line right now is where most of the players are. Is that by design? And what do you think you're going to get out of all that depth right now? It, it, is, the, it is by design, <clears throat> at least in this... Uh... Um, you know these these earlier recruiting classes. This as a staff, there we're still kind of working things out as we we've, we've made a transition. You know, a lot of people don't don't realize that um, we won't really get Broncos' last recruiting class back until next year, and so um, you know we'll we'll continue to work through it. But we just felt like there was a need there at the D line spot. We want to make sure that we're deep there, as well as the corner spot, um, and move forward from there. But uh, yeah, you know, there's, there's definitely a lot of D linemen and guys that we, we plan on contributing. Now, th- now there are some notable losses. Uh, Longi, Laulile, Tautu, Tuiloma, Taele, Kamatule. These guys are all gone. But I, I don't look at the D line uh, as having to rebuild so much. There's not a ton of experience, but I see a lot of really good players and just enough experience to, I hope, make you comfortable that you're going to starting at a really good spot. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. There are guys that come back with experience. Um, you know, I, I heard uh, Handsome Tanielu mention earlier that he's got a chip on his shoulder because of uh, you know some of the talk that that might be the question mark on the team. Um, and you know, obviously, as a player, you never want to feel like you're the one question mark. But um, we do, we do have a lot of depth there. There's a lot of guys that do have experience, um, and I think that we have a lot of guys that want to be the guy. You know, and so it'll be it'll be good. It'll be good to see what happens this next ball. The D-line always makes sure that I'm on my game as a play-by-play guy with my pronunciations. I always take it really an important obligation to make sure that everyone's name, no matter who you are, where you come from, what your background, that your name gets said properly. I take a lot of time with that, and I and I, I want it to come across on the air like I do respect everyone's heritage, and I'm not just messing around. I, what I find is a lot. Of, sometimes I'll watch a game on, on TV, and there will be a difficult name to say, and the guy will kind of stumble over it and kind of joke about it and say, you, you try it. Yeah. And, and I, I kind of cringe because everyone's name means something. Yeah. And and I think it's really important that they're that people's that families are honored by the play by play guy, especially just giving it as giving it his best to make sure it's done properly, authentically, correctly. And and the D line is usually one of those positions where I have a lot of syllables uh, to, to get through. I'm gonna look down the line this year at a Tausinga, a Tanielu, a Taliauli, a Mounga, a Kofusi, a Pili, a Fuiava, a Leatawa, a Saliapanga, Lolohea, Tonga, Langi, a Tuifua uh, Fawatea, uh, some of the simpler ones like Louie and Tofa, but they all mean something to someone, right? <laughs> That's impressive. I couldn't have done it better myself. Really good. Yeah, it, and, it, and we, I'm sure that they uh, they appreciate it, and, and we appreciate it, at least in our culture with, with Polynesians. A lot of those guys are Polynesian names. We, we appreciate the, the effort because it does mean something. I mean, when you go out there, you represent the front, you know, which is the Y, and you represent, also represent the back, um, which is your, your family name. And so... We, we do thank you for, for taking the time and the respect for doing that. Beyond the names, that there's talent there. I mean, there, there's a lot of exciting players. Uh, maybe uh, veteran guys who you think are, you're going to lean on, and maybe some newcomers that you think fans are going to get to know in a hurry on the D-line. You know, it's, it's hard. It's always hard for me to say because when I start to think about that, um, you know, I, I made the mistake uh, as a young coach early when I was at Utah State. We recruited a young, young running back and just, just kind of wrote him off. So, okay, he'll come here in red shirt. And he ended up being an All-American kickoff returner and ended up playing for, for four years. And so, you know, really just kind of letting their play speak for themselves. They've got, a, there's, obviously there's a lot of, lot of uh, big-time names, kids that have done things in the past at their high schools or just guys with a little bit of experience here. We'll get on and, 
and uh, let them battle it out, and, and uh, we will do what we think is best for the program as far as playing the guys that are showing that they can do it consistently and move forward from there. Are there any guys you expect to be able to lean on off the get-go who've played before for you and have proven themselves to you? You know, you, you always have to give a little bit more credit to uh, – the guys with game experience, right, in college, because it's hard to simulate that at any level, the speed and the, the, the complexity of, of uh, schemes. But, uh, you know, handsome Tiny Elu, you got uh, Kesni Tausinga, really good job. Both those guys did a good job this spring. Uh, Tevita Mounga, um, I know I'm missing guys, but... I think I think those guys just in my mind jump off right at the top. I remember talking to you at signing day, and at that time there was talk of some transfers and the newcomers, the freshmen coming in. I think you felt like you got a lot of the guys you wanted that day. Oh yeah, you really needed. Yep, yeah, yep, absolutely. We're fired up about fired up about the recruiting class and fired up about things moving forward in recruiting. Um, and you know, I can't speak to, about anything in the past, but I just you know looking at it now. Um, you know, with with Galani's vision and moving forward in recruiting and getting getting the best in-state kids and getting the 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 best uh, LDS kids, the the best fit, but also not just that, but but you know, getting kids that want to be here, kids that are Cougars, kids that have um, you know those posters in their walls growing up, and it's mm-hmm. like as soon as you offer them, they commit on the spot and they they shut down recruiting. They want to be here. I mean, that means something to us. D coordinator and defensive line coach Elisa Tuiaki is our guest here on Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel, our B our debut edition here on BYU Radio. It's BYU Football Media Day. So talked a moment ago about the fact that, that the D line group has the most players by number. The O line group has the most combined starts. And that's probably a pretty good equation. If you've got a lot of depth at D line and a lot of experience at O line, if you're trying to build through the trenches, you guys are on that uh, on that path. Yeah, yeah. We've we're uh, we're definitely excited about the big guys, and uh, I mean walking into the locker room and just kind of seeing those guys standing there. Um, I, re- I I think I mentioned it last year, but I remember as a young kid coming to these games and just being in awe of how big those kids were. You know, and obviously I was a little kid, but just I mean BYU players were always big. And I, I was actually talking with Mike Empey in the locker the other day, and he said he said when I played, I didn't really feel like I stuck out. You know, I, it was it was me and another six five guy, a six six guy, a six seven guy, and and that's what it was. BYU old linemen were all big, and so. Um, just looking in the locker room now, just there's there are, there's a lot of height, a lot of mass in the locker room. Second year as D coordinator, first year as D line coach. Uh, how are you liking working with the boys up front? It's been fun. It's been fun. They're uh, knuckleheads. In a <laughs> but good we'll way. Get past that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. It's it's been really good, and I'm really grateful to to Coach Galfusti. You know, he's he's done such a tremendous job here. Um, his kids have played here, and he's got one with us now, uh, Corbin, and then we've got uh, Devin coming back off his mission here that'll play here. Um, and so he's he's given uh, so much for the program with what he's done in the past with the D line, as well as uh, what his bloodline has done here. Um, but so humble and so willing to, you know, to uh, really let me come in and kind of try to make things work the way that I wanted, as well as um, Coach Itake letting me kind of move things around. But mm-hmm. um, such 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 a great thing. I'm I'm, I'm grateful that uh, he was he was so humble enough and. You know, let me kind of do my thing, and he was excited to learn about that, and and uh, Galani come in and teaching some things about the linebackers. Mm-hmm. It's it's been really good. You know, there can't can't say that, uh, you know, or I'm not going to say that there were, things were awkward. You know, because he was so good about it, and yeah. so I'm uh, I'm just, I'm just grateful that 
the staff that we're working with is tremendous staff. Well, whether it's D-line or backers or, or the, the secondary with coaches Guilford and Lamb, people are justifiably pumped up for the BYU defense in, in 2017. You mentioned Kafusi's a, mo- a moment ago. There's another one in the linebacking core, Isaiah, who was making plays in spring. It seemed like he's going to fit right in. Isaiah had a really, really good spring. He's got a knack for just for, for playing, for tracking the ball. Um, you know, coming off his mission and getting bigger, and, and he's actually starting to look even bigger than he would in the spring. And so, he's uh, he's definitely going to have a role, and we're, we expect him to have a bright future here. Okay, last thing today kind of marks the um, the day where. Uh kind of official duties for a little while in a way end to where the coaches can take a bit of a breath here for a few weeks before they get really going. What do you plan to do with your, uh, if you want to call it downtime for the next few weeks, try to squeeze some time in, time off? What, what, what will you and your family like to do? So my summers consist of Lagoon and then a bounce back within 10 days and about wraps it up. We just kind of go to the park and Chill. You know, go, yeah, we'll go swimming and just hang out and just, just relax. And I'll, I'll try to play golf every day. And uh, once Do you enjoy the game that much? Oh, I love it. I'm so bad, but I love it. I love it. I really, I really. Yeah, enjoy that's the thing. It gets its hooks into you, even if you're not very good. You oh, still want to get dude, out there. It's so it's such a bad game, but it's so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so we'll look for you on the course here in the next few weeks. Hope you enjoy um, your relaxation time before we start to hit it hard here in July. E, always good to be with you. I'm sure we'll talk to you a lot during the season. Of course, thanks for coming on today. Thank you. Thanks All right, that's me. Elisa Tuiaki. We will come back. With the quarterback and the tight end, Tanner Mangum and Maroni La Ulupututau, coming up as we continue with the debut edition of Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, org, and the BYU Radio app. Back with more after this. Lavelle, because of his faith, because of the person that he was, was truly that humble servant leader. We all strive to do that. And there's a million leadership books that will tell you how important that is. But Lavelle lived it. It was him through and through. I remember when we, when we un, went undefeated and the, the coaches had to vote on who the national champion was going to be. Um, one of the reasons we were good, another reason, I think, that all those coaches respected and loved Lavelle Edwards. They thought he would, you know, that even if they had a, a, a judgment as to our schedule or, you know, do we deserve it, those types of things, I think to, to most of them, they believed Lavelle deserved it. Brian Billick and Mike Holmgren, part of the BYU TV Lavelle Edwards Coaching Tree program airing now on BYU TV. Those comments from those two coaches about the impact of Lavelle Edwards. Uh, And again, part of Lavelle's coaching tree, both coaches Billick and Holmgren, Super Bowl champions. And there's Mike with that uh, that comment that I reflected on and and reiterated earlier, just about how coaches felt about Lavelle when voting for the national champion in 1984. Hey, welcome back to BYU's Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel program, our debut edition here on BYU Radio. It's BYU Football Media Day. And I'm happy to welcome into the studio quarterback Tanner Mangum and now tight end Maroni Laulupututel. Gentlemen, thanks for coming in. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Good so, to, it's always good to be here. Well, it's always good to have you. Uh, Coach Elisa Tuiaki just finished with us. He spent a few moments in the studio. And while you're both on the offensive side of the ball, I know you feel like uh, the defense is in great hands with Coach E. Uh, Coach E's, he, he's one of those coaches that uh, 
you know, as an offensive guy, you you, you hate. You know, because he's but you but you respect him a ton. You know what I mean? He, he's uh he's done a good job with that defense, and I th- I feel like he's he's a he's a good fit for those guys because they just they love playing for him. You know, they, they he he connects well with the players, and so even even though he's on the, he's on a different side of the ball, I love Coach E. He's a he's a good guy. Coach Tuiaki moving from uh, linebacker specificity to D-line. Marona, you're moving from uh, wide receiver to tight end. Some of us might have thought this was a change that would eventually occur. Um, When did you get the sense or vibe this might be a change you would make? And then how? um, what's been your level of enthusiasm in making the switch? And just how different is it to be in a spot? Yeah, you know, it was a – I think it was a long time coming. uh, The coaches would kind of pry at me a little – uh, they were never really strict or stern with me on saying, hey, we want you to do this, uh, which I really appreciate. I think they wanted it to be something that I wanted to do. And so kind of just the end of the season, I realized, you know what, um, looking at kind of how my build is and what I think I can do best for the team would be to move to tight end, you know, and be able to be able to put my hand in the ground and block and still stretch the field. So it was a long process of deciding, but overall – I think it's best for the team, and you know, if one day I'm blessed to go on to the next level, I think it'd give me a better chance as well. Now, one of my questions on my BYUCougars.com Cougar quiz from this week was, which player on the current roster may, had the most catches in 2016? You had the second most catches of the returning players at 27. Who led the team in catches last year of the guys that are back? Do you know? Of the guys that are back besides me? Yeah. Who had one more catch than you last year of the guys that are back this year? <laughs> Quizzing you. Oh, I got you. Let me see. Let me see. Let me guess. Okay. Because you were number two. Right. Yeah. Um. It'll come to you. Jonah. Jonah. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 28 catches for Jonah. <laughs> so uh, you had some chemistry I, with. I, I take those quizzes every week, by the do way. Do you really? Yeah. I we, wondered. I wonder if anybody actually takes those from the from, from the team. No, and I wonder good. what they do. It's, I, it's 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 challenging sometimes, but. I'm usually around like six or seven every week. Six or seven is like your average? Six or seven every week is about my average. That's, not, that's right along. Not I mean, bad. Since, since Cougar Nation's averaging like in the 50s, you do better than average. Yeah. So, and they're not, they're not too hard, not too easy? Like they're right in the middle? They're right in the middle. Yeah. I mean, okay. some of them are easy because they're like guys that I know. Right, right. But some, like the, the, the historical ones. The ones that go back a little ways. Those, those are tough. Yeah. I try, but, to, I try to give something for everyone. Yeah. You know, and, and ultimately, what's most important, guys, we all come out learning something. There you go. We exactly. all learn something. All right. Uh, so when you have a div- uh, chemistry already with, uh, with Marone, I say, as a wideout, how different is it if you're looking from a different, uh, just in a little bit different spot of the field for you? Uh, you know, it, it's it's been awesome to have him be able to, to to switch to tight end because now it it almost makes it, it makes him even harder to guard because we can put him anywhere we want. You know, we can we can have him tied to the line. You know, have him blocking, but then you know leak out for 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 short passes here and there. But then we can also flex him out. You know, put him against a smaller corner, or have him go one on one against a, a backer, which which is a hard matchup because he's he while he's big, he still has speed, mm-hmm. and even though while he's he's tied to the line, he can still stretch the field down the seams. So it, it's a hard matchup for for defenses. So I I like it a lot personally because it just puts him in more positions to catch the ball instead of you know maybe just locking him at one spot or receiver. We can put him at tight end or receiver. Mm-hmm. So for me. For a quarterback, 
it's it's a uh, it's a QB's best friend to be able to have a good athletic tight end like that. When the BYU offense was really really cooking in the mid two thousands, um, flex tight Dennis Pitta, flex tight was a huge part mm-hmm. uh, of the BYU offensive equation. A good flex tight can really change a lot of things, don't you think? Oh, big time! And I loved watching Dennis Pitta play. He's one of my favorite players to watch, and I feel like Moroni has a lot of those qualities. And then also Matt Bushman, a you know, new new tight end who had a great spring. Mm-hmm. I think he's he's on his way to becoming uh, an athletic tight end for us as well. So it's it's nice having those two guys at, at my disposal to be able to put them at different spots. It's it's tough for defense to cover. Morona, how do you descri- describe the tight end group right now? Uh, very diverse. <clears throat> I'd say we're pretty athletic, and we're tall guys that can run. And I think that's what you need a tight end, you know. And and the tight end tight ends that have played here have been just that, and the ones that have been really good, you know, Chad Lewis, those guys. Tall guys that can run, and I think that that tight end group or this tight end group uh, brings that to the table. Now, you were still a wide outlet last year at this time, but the tight end room was, there were a lot of vacancies. It wasn't a very big group last year. There are a lot more of you guys to go around this year at the tight end spot. Yeah, I think it was such a focus because we had that vacancy to get some guys and now we got kind of an overload of guys and we're, <laughs> we're trying to see where to put everybody but I think it's good for the team. Now fans use the phrase off season which almost doesn't exist for college players anymore mm. but at this stage of the season what are you two doing on say an average everyday basis at this time of year? Tanner? So you know coach Nuu and the strength and conditioning staff they have us working hard you know every day so four days a week we're, we're all together and then um those those days we have off, you know, on our own, we're still coming together. You know, we're we're going out and throwing, we're going and doing seven on seven, we're you know working with the defense to to do some one on ones and things like that. And so you know, it's a it's a combination of one getting stronger in the weight room, and I think we are we all are. Like we're you know we just had testing last week, and a lot of guys are putting up PRs, getting some heavy weight up there. Um, but then we're also going out in the field and and getting better throwing wise, getting that that timing and chemistry down. And uh, it's it's exciting for me. I mean, it's it's I don't know. I'm just pumped. I, you know, we're, we've been working hard all off season, but now it's uh, kind of getting to that time where we can all put it out in the field and, and have a fun fun year. So July 27th comes, Moroni. How prepared do you, Tanner, feel to kind of hit the ground running uh, with, uh, with with this year's, this year's offense? Very prepared, and it's surprising what one year under your belt can do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially for the offense, we feel really comfortable with Ty. Um, that crazy guy, you know, he's really easy to relate to. And so us as an offense, we feel that chemistry. And and last year we were working on the shell of things, and now we're kind of pinpointing the details, I feel, and the chemistry is just there. You know, it's natural. And so I feel like we'll hit the ground running, and it'll be exciting. Does the Hail Mary at Nebraska seem like forever ago or just last week to you, Tanner? Forever ago. Yeah. You know, that that 2015 season was kind of a whirlwind and, it, you know, here we are almost two years removed from it. So it feels like a, like a, a lot has happened and, and it ha- a lot has happened. Um, but it's, it's interesting. I've, you know, I've, I've been looking back at kind of my just my progression and I just feel like I'm I'm in a good spot now, you know, both both personally and athletically. I'm just ready to go, ready to kind of take off and and make this uh you know a big year and i think we've got we've got guys on the same page where we're putting in extra work we're getting ready to go and you know we um and during the summer it's, it kind of falls on us as players to decide okay where do we want to go you know do we want to put in extra work or just do the bare minimum and but i feel like we've got some good leaders that are willing and uh and really believe that we can make this uh you know a, a big year for us and uh something that i'm 
excited about is is just the uh, kind of like what Maroon and I mentioned is the uh, the com- the comfort level of mm-hmm. the offense. You know, as quarterbacks, we're able to now we're able to you know make audibles and, and switch plays and and ch- make checks at the line. And, you know, cause at first we're just trying to learn everything, but now that we have some comfort with it, we're able to to do a lot. So it's exciting being able to kind of expand and, and go go deeper with it. As an independent program, BYU is always going to have a super front-loaded, challenge-heavy September. Back-to-back-to-back, LSU, Utah, Wisconsin is as tough as anyone's going to have it in college football this year. Um, How excited are you guys to get to that point? And granted, you're going to play a Week 0 game against Portland State and hopefully work out a lot of kinks and get where you want to be. But that that phase of the schedule, how much does it excite you to know that there will be so much national attention on what BYU is doing in the month of September? I mean, what more motivation do you need, you know, when you, when you see that schedule and you see the teams we have, you know, coming up, it's, it reminds me that, man, I got to get better. You know, I got to be in my A game because every game is going to require that. Every game is going to require us to be at our best. So, you know, that's obviously Portland State's, a, they're a good team as well. And we, we, we're not going to overlook them at all. And then you, you come to LSU, Utah, Wisconsin, you know, that's a, that's an awesome stretch. You know, what an opportunity for us to show who we are to show that we can compete with anyone, you know, that we we want to be able to go out and, and put on a you know, put a good product on the field and show that, you know, we're we're capable of, of playing with those teams. Moroni? Yeah, you know, it's just this is what you dream as a player. You hope to play for a great team and play against great teams. And so I think we have a great, great opportunity to show what we can do and very few people get to play the type of pe- teams that we get to play. You know, we're stretched across the nation and so and it's exciting. Let's well, go. I know. Ty, Ty told us um, in his appearance with me today that, that he's going to take uh, some time and head down to the ranch in Texas here uh, and, <laughs> and, and, and get a breath here. He needs that. Are, are you guys going to have any downtime at all just to decompress a little bit? And then uh, after that question, what's it like to be in the room with a Heisman Trophy winner who a lot of people might not say acts like a Heisman Trophy winner? <laughs> on that, I saw this actually this past weekend on a Snap Story. It was actually Coy Detmer. He, he there's this this snake coiled up, and he just grabs it by the tail, and he starts swinging it around. And Coy's sitting there filming, and I'm dead. This guy just that's a, that's our offensive corner, Ty Detmer. He grabs a snake, twirls it around, and so just like you said, you can't really you wouldn't tell he's a Heisman <laughs> Trophy winner the way he is, just because he's so humble. He's, yeah, but, but yet he's Ty Detmer. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's, thing, he's you know? funny, down to earth, yeah. and. Um, but man, he's smart. You know, when it comes to football, he he knows the game, and it's, it's fun being able, being able to work with him. Any relaxation time for you guys coming up? A little bit, yeah. I'm gonna take it just a. Um, I actually get to go to Oregon to Portland. I'm gonna be a counselor at the Elite Eleven um, to to work with the high school quarterbacks there, which will be fun. And then I'm going on a whitewater rafting trip with my family in the, in the Middle Fork of the Salmon River. So it, it'll be a fun time, but unfortunately, that means I have to miss Moroni's wedding. Oh, congratulations, exactly. Moroni. Yep. When is it happening? Next week, next Saturday. So that's my downtime is preparing for a wedding. <laughs> but I'm happy. I'm, I'm excited. And, it's uh, a good, yeah. Next good Saturday, thing. Kira Peely, my to-be bride. Love you, babe. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm excited. A very valuable shout out. Well, uh, congratulations to you. By the way, sometimes when I tweet about you, uh, if I if I'm short on characters, I go MLP. Is that all right? That's Th- fine with me. That all right? Yeah, Not cool. all the time, but sometimes I have to shorten it up. <laughs> I like it's that. Pretty cool. All right. So MLP and Tanner Mangum with us, guys. Thanks a lot. Thank, Thank you. you. All right, we'll come back with uh, Tooney Knuch and Jonah Trinneman as we continue with Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel here at BYU Football Media Day on BYU Radio. Back after this.
Him and his, uh, his coaches were the pioneers of horizontal and vertical stretch. They talk about stretching the field horizontally and vertically. Uh, horizontally, uh, uh, in other words, uh, use the whole space. Go sideline to sideline and also downfield. And, and utilize the whole space, whether it's a combination of route, uh, routes, motions, or formations. And, you know, and the thinner you spread the defense, uh, uh, the more you can make happen. And, you know, he successfully... Uh, moved the ball better than any team in college football and uh, did it with, uh, by comparison, pretty slow athletes. You know, you can't do what he did and have the record he had at BYU without being a great football coach. So wherever he's remembered, I mean, he, he's remembered as a great football coach, but in my opinion, even a great, better human being. I mean, just a great, great man. All right, that was Mike and Mike Leach and Holmgren talking about the great Lavelle Edwards. Uh, their contributions are being seen right now on BYU TV's Lavelle Edwards Coaching Tree program. We are live on the radio on Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel. I am your voice of the Cougars. Three-hour program. We are in hour number three. We'll be off the air at 3 o'clock Mountain Time, 5 o'clock Eastern. Top of Mind with Julie Rose is coming up at, at 3, 5 Eastern. She'll be talking BYU football, too. A lot of great guests throughout this entire program. Uh, most recently, we had Tanner Mangum and Moroni Laulu-Pututau on. Last segment, we thank them for joining us. Eliza Tuiaki before them. Pleased to welcome to the program in the studio, Tooney Knuch from the O-Line and Jonah Trineman, wide receiver. Tooney, thank you for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. What's up, baby? What is up? And Jonah, good to have you. <laughs> thanks for having me. <laughs> so for some reason, there, there's a discussion going on, and I sense in the building, um, like some, some kind of competition between you and, and Diane Gowolaku about... Uh, Who's got the best uh, best looking head of hair today? Is that is that a real thing? And is there any doubt about who's looking better between well, the two of you? I didn't know if that was a thing. Um, people start bringing it up, but I really have just let my hair just grow. I haven't done anything. Yeah, me to too. It. Me yeah. too. Oh yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, um, I just let it grow since since uh, last year at Snow. Um, I don't know. Dines looks really good. I think he's I think he's winning the competition. But no, I'm just Jonah. Grow. No, Always offense, Def Jonah. <laughs> and, and then there and then there's uh, Tanner Baldry with the what he calls the top knot, not yes. the man bun. Let's yeah. go with top knot top on that. Knot. One. Yeah, so yeah. he's his looks pretty good, but um, yeah, I'm just letting mine grow up. And Tune, you just kind of just kind of keep it real in your own Me? way up there. Uh, yeah, you know, girls like the curls. You know, my wife like it. So I'm yeah, when he says girls like, like the curls, only one girl has to like, yeah. it, and that's his wife. Yeah, no, yeah. she likes it, but every, you know, it's like a rule. All right. of them have to like yeah. the curls, so you know. Good to have you guys with us as we hit the offensive side of the ball here in the year 2017. And uh, I've hit it a couple times, but um, O-Line has has the most combined starts back of any position group right now. 84 combined starts on the O-Line. Wide receivers are the second most experienced on the offense, but the number's down at 16. Yeah. So after the O-Line, everyone's kind of um, relatively new and learning to work together. People look at the wide receivers, Jonah, and and like Ty said, everyone's always asking me who are the wide receivers going to be. And and while the snaps or the the starts may not all be there, the talent is there, oh, yeah. and the guys are there. Mm-hmm. And and whether it's people that some have forgotten about, like it's Akile or Micah, uh, there's no cupboard bear there. You guys, you, you guys have enough people to go around, don't you think? Yeah, I think um, I think honestly, everyone in that receiver room can play. Um, yeah, I mean, experience is, you know, I obviously I have the most in that room, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think it, it matters, but I think um, as we get going in the season, I think they'll get a hang of it and kind of get uh, used to it. So, 
Yeah, I mean, every year we get, uh, you know, it's, it's new. There's new things. So um, we're hoping that with this new kind of period that uh, the, the receivers are the go-to core, the position group of the offense this year. So seems Things seem to naturally kind of fly for the Juco guys, but bang, all of a sudden you're a senior. And it's like, yeah. wow, he's already, this is it yeah. for Jonah already. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, I'm 20 and I'm a senior, so, <laughs> yeah, I'm still having a hard time kind of um, accepting that, but... Yeah, I don't. I'm, you know, I'm not really worried about that. I'm just worried about um, just having a good year. Just great. Just having fun with my boys and just enjoying my last year at BYU. Definitely. Jonah's 28 catches last year lead all the receivers of the players back on this year's team. And uh, Tooney Knuch has made three seasons worth of starts, and here he is entering his last season. And oh, so, yep. a couple of seniors here in the room. And uh, I'm always curious to know the perspective of someone like yourself, whether it has flown by or if if it seems like you've been here forever. A little bit of both, like it's it's flown flown by so quick. But then I'm in the locker room and look around and be like, man, I'm old and I'm hanging out with these 18 year olds, <laughs> 17 year olds, and trying to teach them the ropes. But um, I mean, it's cool. It's, it's great because I get the chance to play with dudes like Jonah. Like Jonah's a freak athlete. Ran uh, four three two forty laser time. That's crazy, man. Like. Um, Mostly, I just came in this interview to talk about Jonah because Jonah's the man. You know, okay. So who's the comp- who's the competition got. for Jonah if they're going to line up and run it right now? Who are the guys that are saying I've got him? Only himself. You're only in a competition with yourself. It's all about them games. <laughs> no, I think Bo Tanner is Bo Tanner. Yeah. Can run. yeah, he's Bo, quick. He can run. He's quick. Very now, now and he's tough. Tr- Troy is fast. Troy is oh, fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Troy is like a four four guy, but uh, no, Bo, Bo can run. So yeah. uh, a race between you and Bo and Troy would, would be a pretty fun one to watch, I'm thinking. I think, yeah. I think nah, so. John will win. But, I mean, it's cool. I love those other dudes, too. Yeah, but it'll be a good race. But you've got Jonah's back. Oh, yeah. Clearly. I got Jonah. Uh, Tooney, your perspective on having been in uh, a different offense with a different staff yeah. to being in last year's tight end offense but with Taysom and Jamal to being in this year's offense without those guys but a bunch of new guys trying to prove themselves. Uh, yeah, Um it's I, I like that I have the perspective of the old offense, uh, and I'm learning this offense and trying to build on that. Uh, it helps me know more about football in general and uh, helps me have, like, tools. You know what I'm saying? If you only have one tool and you go out there and they beat you, uh, you have no backup plan. But um, because I've been able to experience so much in these years, like, I have all these tools in my shed that I'm trying to use. And, uh, I mean, it's been awesome. I love the offense that we got right now. To be honest – I, I love every offense. I was just trying to smack, you know. You told me last year that you felt you were more of like a road grader than the consummate pass blocker. But in honor of your guy here, um, have you? do you think the pass blocking is coming more to you? It works more for you? Do you feel it's as important as your run work? How do you, how do you view that now? Yeah, no, I work on pass work all the time. I... Football, you got to be able to do everything. And um, we have a quarterback like Tanner. I'm not going to be the guy to hurt Tanner. I'm not going to be the guy that, that puts our team back. And uh, my pass pro from freshman year to now is night and day. I mean, I look totally different. And uh, I love pass pro. Um, I I do consider myself like a run block dude, but um, only because in pass pro you have to be careful if you, you try to do too much, you know. Mm-hmm. You can they can swim you pull you, uh, but I love being the open guy on pass pro. You know they never see you, you just smack them in the face and they're on the floor and Jonah catches a touchdown and we go home happy. You know, <laughs> uh, Jonah Tooney says he likes you as the fastest. Uh, Tooney's going to be in the mix for strongest, isn't he on this team? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, him and Tijon on the strongest team for sure. So 
I and the best looking. Yeah, not sorry, I'm frank to mention that. But now, no. now lo- looks aside, it helps the two of the strongest dudes <laughs> are guys blocking for your quarterback that's throwing you the ball. Yes. Uh, how comforting is it in, in in a position group like wideout to know that you look, you can see so many starts and so many snaps uh, on the interior guys? Yeah, I think that's awesome. I mean, uh, we're hoping to just get you know the ball out of Tanner's hands a little bit faster, just quicker stuff, get the ball in people's hands, get get things going. But um, yeah, I just it's nice to know that we have you know experience in that front line and just. Uh, just reliable dudes. So it's, um, I'm sure it's like a relief for Tanner to know that, you know, he's going to be protected and, you know, be able to do what he does. And obviously it's a relief for us because, you know, if Tanner's doing his thing, that means we're we're getting the rock. So we're, we're excited about what the line's going to do for us. And we're, we, I, uh, I think these guys are the best. You know, I, I seem to. I, whenever I see the, the 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 letters SR senior after a player, I get a little I get a little bummed. Like, yeah. oh man, their career is already coming to an end. We want to make this year count for all it's worth, of course. And I feel the same way about T. John. I feel like he was starting as a freshman just you know a little while ago, and all of a sudden it's his it's his senior year. But at least um, you know it's it's at least I'm able to feel that way because it means right. you've all been big contributors and important parts of the program. And I'm, I'm going to miss you two guys. I'm going to miss, certainly miss T. John. It seems like yeah. he's owned that position for so long now, but in a way, too, it's like, wow, it went quick. I, yeah. I get that sense. How's, how's T. John uh, working out these days? How's he feeling? How's he looking? And uh, how excited are you to have that guy in the middle of your line this year? Oh, yeah, that's my dude. I mean, we've been playing together three years in a row, so um, I love that we get one more year together. Uh, I trust him with all I got. I mean, when I, we go out there on the field, if he makes a call, not even a question. I know what I know what he's going to talk about, and I, I know he's going to be there for me. He looks good. He's working out. You've seen his arms. Everyone's seen the pictures. You know his arms. Mm-hmm. They're getting bigger, but you can't tell because they're already huge. <laughs> um, but he's good. I kind of think I kind of thought of you and T. John and Louie as kind of the three amigos, and yeah. I don't think we're going to have Louie this year. And I don't know if it's all done for good. And, and I hope he get, gets back to where he wants to be from a health standpoint. Um, so I hate to kind of break up the band that way, but it's good to have you and T. Uh, back together and 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 opening holes uh, for this team this year. I'm super excited about about the schedule you've got, especially off the start. It's going to come quick and hard, and a lot of people nationally are going to find out about what you guys are about yeah. in the very first month, right? Yep. Yep. We're all about him. All about him, baby. Last year you said you guys were going to go eat on the O-line. Do you still feel like you guys have an appetite? Oh, we, we're, more, I, we're more hungry. You know, I'm, I lost. I played 345 last year. I'm going to be 305, so I'm going to need no, some no, no, food. No, 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 no. Well, well, back up on that. Tell me last year and this year. Last year I played at 345, and this year I'm going to play at 305. That's 40 pounds of difference. Yeah, I already lost it. And, and, and you feel like you are not, like, not losing anything? No, my strength is still up. Uh, I feel good. I feel really good. So. Clearly, you think you're moving well. Yeah, and the strength faster. is still there. Yeah. Wow, a Tuni Kanuch at three oh five. That could be something to see. Hopefully, hopefully. I look forward to it. Tuni, it's great to have you in studio. Always good to talk to you, Jonah. I still remember. It's funny. I remember the day that Jonah was on like a recruiting visit or yeah. something. You weren't even really a Cougar yet, and no. I was meeting, and here you are talking to you as a senior. Wow, yeah, crazy. Hope you guys have a great 2017. Looking forward to seeing you guys in camp and beyond. Thank you again. Awesome. Thank, Thank you so much. All right, Jonah Trineman and Tooney Knuch will come back in our final segment of the show with the Warner Brothers, Fred and Troy. They're coming up. This is Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel, your voice of the Cougars on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, org, and the BYU Radio app. Football Media Day continues right after... After this. You know, he was, he was probably uh, the biggest influence on me in regards to how you treat people. 
you know, obviously he was a football man and he knows football and he knew football, but when I got there, he had delegated uh, a lot of the football responsibility, the nuts and bolts, to his assistant coaches. But he was still absolutely the head of the program, and I learned how to treat people, I think, and how to, how to relate to other coaches. Um, no one that I've ever met in this business could do that better. Because he wasn't involved with it and went through so many different coordinators, I don't think he gets the credit he is due for basically setting the stage and, and committing to that style of play and saying, yes, it's okay to throw the ball every down. Yes, we'll commit to that. Yes, we'll recruit to it. Because it's not just a matter of saying, okay, we'll do this. You're changing an entire structure of the way things have done. Mike Holmgren and Brian Billick, part of the Lavelle Edwards Coaching Tree. Their comments being heard on BYU TV this hour as part of the Lavelle Edwards Coaching Tree program. We are on BYU Radio, behind the mic with Greg Rubel, our debut edition here on BYU Radio. Thanks for joining us on this BYU Football Media Day. Top of mind with Julie Rose coming up top of the hour, and she'll talk some BYU football too. It's our final segment of this three-hour show. It has flown by. We bring in the Warner Brothers, Fred and Troy, linebacker and corner with us. Fred, thanks for coming in. Yeah, no problem. And Troy, thank you as well. No problem. All right. Some might say we saved the best for last. Ooh, yeah. I, okay. I like that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. And okay. The, the theme of the day today, and I'm not sure there even is, is the ability to, to focus on a theme, but I just know that uh, that 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 defense, if it's not going to carry BYU, it's going to be a real area of strength for this program mm-hmm. this year, as many good guys that are back, including you too. Um, if the defense had to carry BYU for whatever period of time, how confident do you guys feel that? But, uh, yeah, U11 have got this thing on lockdown. Yeah, very confident. I think uh, I think this is the first time in a long time that we've had a lot of uh, almost every position on the field coming back with experience, especially in the in the secondary. You know, having two corners back as young as they are, with playing time, experience, and making plays, uh, that's going to be huge for us. And obviously, linebacking core is strong, and we have a lot of talent on the defensive line. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's a team game, but our defense is going to be very strong this season. That's Fred. Now, Troy, as much as we've said about the defense and how excited we are with them returning as much experience as they do, um, the offense has a new starting quarterback, but he's not unfamiliar to the starting quarterback position. Uh, Tanner Mangum had a great freshman year. The fact that you can bring in a guy with that many snaps and and that many yards, it's going to have to put the offense in a good spot from the start, don't you think? Absolutely. And I I think Tanner is a great leader and is a guy that's going to push his offense to perform at a very high level. Um, we've got we've got great receivers this year, and Micah Simon, you know Jonah Trinaman, a lot of guys that are that are willing to step up and be um, be the guy. Um, I think I think our offensive line is going to be really good this year with a, with a nice running game from Squally Canada, Ula Tulutau, um, and Trey Die. Um, so I think I think there's a lot of upside for this offense. So um, I'm expecting big things from them. Everyone, every school is going to talk optimistically now about the season. But the fact that uh, a new head coach and new coordinators came in and and help put together a nine-win season in the first season, that, that that's a logically optimistic place to expect even more here in 2017. Fair enough, Fred? Oh, fair enough for sure. I mean, last season our schedule, when, you, when we were at the same point at me today, we're talking about uh, the schedule we had last season. We're looking at Michigan State, Utah, Mississippi State, those teams, and and to say West that, Virginia, West Virginia, yeah. go, the list goes on and on. You know, and you're so, traveling all over the place. Yeah, yeah. And, and as a first year head head coach, and all these other coaches that that Kalani brought in, it was, I mean, to to say that we got nine wins out of that, if, if you would have said that, 
last last year at this time it would have been a tall task. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if that if nine was last year, you're never going to expect less. You're always going to want more. Yeah. And and the challenge again starts with the schedule. Uh, how do you guys feel about your September? Um, now, no. I know you start in August. We're not going to look past Portland State, <laughs> yeah. but that September is a handful. No, absolutely. And and I think each game that we play in September or, is an opportunity for us to showcase kind of what we're all about here um, at BYU um, and, and kind of just a chance to show all the hard work we've been putting off, putting on in the uh, offseason. So um, definitely those games we're definitely looking forward to and excited to uh, play in. So. And then all those games on national TV, you're going to be showcasing – uh, a little piece of wardrobe that's going, to mean, that's going to mean a lot to you guys in the Lavelle Edwards patch. Mm-hmm. And I, I mentioned earlier with Tom how it's going to be cool to have every TV game you guys do, the camera's going to find that patch on somebody, and they're going to talk about it. And Absolutely. they're going to talk about BYU football and what he meant. And while you didn't play for him, you guys clearly have a sense of what he meant to this community and this program. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I think I only met him once or twice you know, in my time being here. And like you said, I, I wasn't coached under him, but just seeing how Coach Kalani – uh, just talks about him and how he says how much he loves him and and acts the way he does and just the coach and the play, and the play, the person he is that speaks volumes about who uh, Lavelle was and what he did for his players and um, for everyone that was around him. The sense you get of what Lavelle uh, meant to this program and the kind of person he was. Um, can you see why some people look at Kalani and get kind of a Lavelle vibe, if you will? Does that make any sense, Troy, even though you're kind of young in the program? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, I, and I've actually met um, Lavelle Edwards um, one time. And he, he, I got the same vibe that I got from him, um, from uh, Kalani. He, Kalani is just a really genuine person, somebody who is always looking to support his team and just give give us opportunities to succeed, you know, on and off the field. And, and I, I, you know, I didn't know Lavelle Edwards too, too much, but I, I see the same thing from from him um, and his team. He loved his team and, and was willing to go um, do whatever for them. So both both great guys, and obviously Lavelle will, will be uh, missed. As we've been here talking on the TV monitor behind me, the BYU TV uh, Lavelle Edwards coaching tree show is airing, and so you're seeing behind me the guys they've assembled to talk about him. Right. And, and you start with Andy Reid, and you realize what he's done in his career, and we're kind of where it all started for him. But not just him. It just stretches through so many different levels. This BYU program becomes a lot bigger than you guys, doesn't it, when you think Absolutely. about it? Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. If, if, you, if you just go back and look at the players who have come through here and you know all the amazing greats that have played at this university – and coach and who are now coaching or just who moved on to do other things you know it, it it makes you think about you know when you're walking around on campus or when you're playing in those game those games against these big opponents that you're playing for more than just yourself you're playing for all these people who have who have laid the path for you to be here and do the things that we're doing right now and be you know have stuff like this like this great media hmm. uh you know building That's awesome yeah our student athlete building stuff like that so it's it's great i'm glad you guys are a part of my show today here in this great building as part of this uh really well put together uh media day you get asked a lot about this troy but um maybe it, it bears asking again uh on just how cool it is to be starting division one football uh, playing at this level and doing it with your best friend your brother i mean yeah, um, you know, obviously, I I, I kind of just cherish um, each moment I get to spend with him. Uh, he, this is senior year, so the you know the time is really ticking right now. But um, it's definitely been a blessing. You know, not not everybody gets the opportunity, so uh, it's definitely something that you know I kind of just I like to just seize the moment and um, just you know play play with him and 
do whatever. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy while it lasts. Yeah, enjoy it while it lasts. Yeah, well, it's going to last at least one more season uh, together, and you both made plays together last year. We look forward to much more of the same this year. Speaking of the coaches, I mentioned Andy Reid. BYU fans become Kansas City Chiefs fans because of Andy and Danny Sorensen. Right. They become Packers fans because of Taysom, Jamal, and Colby. And, and wherever our guys go, the fans are sure to follow, right? And, and Fred, you're soon enough going to find yourself in a position where hopefully you're going to be a next-level guy, and you've got to have that sense that wherever you go, uh, Cougar Nation kind of has your back, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, when that time comes, I'll be ready, and I'll, I'm very excited about that that point in my life. Um, and, I, yeah, the, the fans here – at BYU is, are the best in the country, you know, in my eyes. I think the way that we travel uh, fan-wise into away games at these big venues and stuff, like we have a home game almost everywhere we go yeah. just because our fans are so great. And so that's that's uh, just another great part about BYU. Yeah. Lions fans for Ziggy, Pat, Pats fans for KVN, and on and on it goes. And, of course, we are Ravens fans and still are with uh, with Bronson there. And, of course, Dennis uh, has has had a, another injury. But that's how it goes at BYU. Wherever our guys go, you'll have built-in fans wherever you end up. And, as you know, every game kind of feels like a home game in a way for BYU football. Well, guys, we're going to wrap it up with you, too, as our final two guests of this three-hour show. Thanks for coming and making time and being a part of this day. No problem. No problem. Appreciate it. That's Fred us. Warner and uh, Troy Warner, and that is going to do it for our debut edition of Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel, our first ever show here on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, BYURadio.org, and the BYU Radio app. Catch it on demand at BYURadio.org and on my Behind the Mic podcast feed. You can catch it there as well. My thanks to Sean O'Neill and Cole Wissinger helping with production, to Duff Tittle, Brett Pine, Kenny Cox, the media, media relations staff, to all the players and coaches. Appreciation and to Cougar Nation, thank you for tuning in. Top of Mind with Julie Rose is coming up next here on BYU Radio.